Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 14th episode of the Neon Crew Podcast. My name is Kyle. And my name is McLean. Hey, McLean. How you doing? Good. Awesome. Yep. Glad we got that done. That was our 14th episode. Um, thank you guys for listening. <laughs> Uh, if you want, you can head over to the YouTube and subscribe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm feeling good, man. Feeling good. I got to watch. Uh, it's been a lot of movie watching um, lately, mm-hmm. which probably goes well with the pod. Yeah, for you sure. Know, I think it ties in. Mm-hmm. I rewatched. Um, I rewatched Donnie Darko, but oh, I watched the I director's cut. Seen that? Oh, you haven't seen? No. It? Um, I suggest watching the original theatrical cut. Really? I think the director's cut, while it adds some interesting factors into it, because it's a very like metaphorical, symbolic movie mm-hmm. with a lot of different themes going on, Sure, I think it runs the risk of being too packed with information. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of like oversaturation of the same type of thing. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend the original over okay. the director's. Not that the director's cut is bad. If you like that movie, then... Getting extra stuff never hurts. It's just right. The whole like cohesive experience benefits from the OG. So the editing and producer stepping in actually helped the film. I would say so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, watched that. Of course, watch these John Wick movies um, in preparation for our our talks today. Yes. Um, which we will yes. get to here shortly. Whoa! Oh, you know what that means? Additional content coming at you. That's right. Do do do. Um. Man, we really need we really need to up the budget for our sound effects. I feel like, yeah, whatever that was was pretty shitty. I, I mean, like just us relying on our own, our own, our own, you know, our own foley. I guess you could say. I don't even know how to spell that word. Yeah, I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> but um, yeah. Before we get into it, I just want to show you uh, Mac in person and for people. Uh, potentially listening on YouTube because I'll probably include a picture. Yeah. But um, my dad, he gave me this silver John Wick coin. At birth. N- close. Okay. Around uh, at Christmas time, not last year, but the year before. Okay. And uh, which is kind of, you know, at birth. Cause Reincarnated my, every year. My birthday is uh, Christmas Eve. So. Yeah. It's, you know, you weren't too far off. No. I give you points for that. I was about to say. But more importantly, I will give you this coin to look over and uh, admire. I'm going to tell the audience um, that's listening what it... Oh, my God. There's words in here. I didn't... Is that a word or are they just letters? They're Latin. Oh. Because like John Wick, you know, they he they love using Latin in oh all their God, films. Dude. I got um, it. Yeah. So that is uh, real silver right there really yes well with the curse Mm -hmm. and uh for the audience at home it's in a like little plastic clear case it looks like a uh, like a collector's item i uh i believe it is i think my dad said that he got it at a (laughs) i think he got it at at like a gun show or something really i think so because he he's a man who who loves his guns very much and he goes to many different gun shows and uh, i think he came across this little bad boy because gun shows always have like different sorts of trinkets there besides guns right you know they'll have like little coins or like types of knives or whatever it's pretty sentimental man yeah i love it's it it's pretty awesome it's probably my favorite piece of movie i guess memorabilia that i have even though it's not really memorabilia because it you know was it in the film it wasn't in the film yeah but, but still it's you know it's it's really cool to have and it's really cool to show people 
Yeah, and it'll be even cooler when you use it on a bum and he takes you to New York City. Exactly. See, that's what I was talking about in a previous episode. Yeah, I, yep, I, yeah. Exchanging uh, for that business transaction. Yeah. I'm going to edit that so I no, make it sound like I didn't right. mess Peanut up. Peanut butter in your mouth. That's okay. Peanut butter falcon in my mouth. <laughs> Shia LaBeef. Mm. Um, <laughs> speaking of, uh, of yummy goodness, uh, since we're talking about three movies, I guess we can just kind of jump into it. What, uh, it's going to be, I mean, action-packed. I'm really, I am so curious as to um, your love for these movies. Because, oh. like... I know, and it's not. It's not coming from a place of opposition. Is it, it? No, it's not. It's it's more <laughs> curiosity, honestly. From, Even if it was, I'd be okay with. Well, it. I'm saying, like, from a uh, from a from a writing standpoint, like, it mm. just it feels so um, simplistic, you know. So that's why yes. I'm really curious. Is the I'm, I'm honestly like I, I was uh, watching it with a friend. And we were talking about it, and they, uh, you know, they were kind of asking like, "What what's Kyle like so much about this?" And I was like. You know what? If I had to guess, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I was like, I think he's really big on the choreography and the fighting and the the realism with the with the violence. You know, more so than what you get in a typical action movie mm-hmm. of spraying bullets, killing people, guys just falling around. Where this one actually feels and looks like John Wick is in your house, about to stab you in the face with a book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, I, that's what that that's what my guess was. But then you know, and I'm. We're going to talk about it, obviously, but the writing, I just, I, after, when I got into the third one, I was kind of laughing. I was like, I don't, from, from a writer's standpoint, though, I don't feel like it's something that too convoluted or, you know, just, it's, there's not much more that the, that the guy's saying besides what's on the screen, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. I, I mean, I equated it to at least my little take on it. I was like, you're going to like a, a steak shop. You know, there's not much more behind it, but you know, you're getting a steak and you're getting a porterhouse. <laughs> you know, it's a very good analogy. Yeah, I was, I was just thinking, like, it's not much more than that, not less, but at least you know what you're getting, and it's going to be delicious. Mm. And that certainly is um, one of the bigger reasons why I love these movies is because they are so choreographed very well in terms of being just like an action movie. I mean, you see. You see so many action films where they're edited and shot and spliced together in such a really shitty way. Yes. I mean, take look at the look at the Taken sequels. And I say the sequels because the first one isn't, you know, the worst. It's entertaining for what it is. Right. It's just a Liam Neeson action film. It's the first one that really kind of kicked off his sort of crusade into being an action hero yeah. at the age of 65, <sighs> which Keanu Reeves now isn't too far away from which is weird to think about. He's like 57. Is he really? Uh-huh. He does in these things I was watching a move and I was like, god, he just for <laughs> If you're an athlete and you were to watch Keanu in these films and just like his like jogging, he looks like he's limber like lumbering. It is it's just he's got this like his knees are kind of crooked and it's just he looks off joint. Well, and it's it's in line with his character too, which I think helps a lot. It, because Agreed. he is a retired assassin at the start of the first movie. Yes. Like, he's been in the business for years and years and years doing that same thing over and over again. So you'd expect his body to be beat up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. Um, it, it makes sense with 
how Keanu Reeves's age actually is and what the character actually calls for. Mm-hmm. So it fits, luckily. You know, it'd yeah. be one thing if they made his character like, oh, I'm a young up and coming assassin, even though Keanu Reeves was like 50 when they made the first movie. Um, it's actually one of the. Uh, this film was, I think, 2014. I yep. want to say when the first one came out. First and- one was 2014. Second one was 2017. And then the third one was 2019. Yeah, I mean, it it for me it reinvigorated some of his career for me at least. Oh yeah, absolutely like, for I, me as well. Yeah, I kind of I didn't I'm not gonna say wrote him off, but like it wasn't like oh when's the next Keanu film coming out? Mm. And then John Wick dropped, and I was like, God, he just like he's awesome. He looks good in that black suit. He's kicking ass, and he's got some attitude. Yeah, I was 19 when the first John Wick movie came out in theaters, and I remember I went and saw it in theaters, and I was just very surprised at just how well made it was oh yeah for being an action movie and for being that type of movie that i totally expected to be just like this schlocky turn my brain off just have some snacks and then forget about it the next day this movie stuck with me for a long time and it's still stuck with me to this day well we're talking about it now exactly at my (laughs) behest yeah (laughs) so um certainly the action scenes in these movies and them being so well done Mm -hmm. and so well choreographed is a big reason why I love them. But another reason too, why I really love these films and there are certain movies in this series that do it a little bit stronger than others. And we'll get to that when we go to the discussions. I'm curious because I have my own thoughts on it, but I'm curious as to where, yeah, is, um, is the world building a hundred by the third one. Mm -hmm. I definitely, I, Oh my god! I'm not cutting you off. I don't mean to, but I <laughs> definitely was like, it's because we were we were talking about your interest in these things, and I said I also got to think like the universe that they create out of this, and I was like, and the sets that they're or where they're shooting it, and I was like, they took this from being in his house to New York City, and then to Morocco, Rome, Rome. Mm-hmm. I mean, like all over. I mean, the Sahara. I mean, some sort of desert. I don't know. They must have. They probably wherever um you know wherever yeah wherever wherever casablanca is well it's in morocco so because i had to look it up because i was like i want to go to casablanca Mm -hmm. and i was joking i was like i don't even know where the hell that's at i guessed egypt yeah way off makes sense it's a lot of sand (laughs) wow and you know i was yeah exactly well the movie casablanca world war ii i was trying to figure out where they would be uh having you know Mm-hmm. where that would have been going at. So that's why I guess Egypt, I guess, you know, they, they did fight in Africa. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the, the world building I th- is something that I, I really cherish and admire. It's, it's like from the get go of the first film, mm-hmm. like that moment when uh, the cop goes to his house in the first movie <laughs> yeah. and he's like, evening, John, evening, Jimmy noise complaint noise complaint that in that moment you knew that there was something a little bit bigger going on in the world of john wick than what you had initially suspected going into the film for the first time and just that like discovery of like this whole underground world of assassins and how clandestine it is and how they have their own form of like business transactions with the coins and yeah the terms that they use dinner reservation 
um, catch and release, like all these different terminologies that they use with each other. And they introduce it in a way to where like, you know, they've been using these terms for like years of their lives, just being embedded in this world. And you're just kind of supposed to like catch up with it. They do a little few things here and there to like sprinkle in bits of info as to like what each of those things mean. Well, but they usually, do it in a way that feels natural and doesn't come across as like, okay, they're really like forcing exposition here, you know? No, a hundred percent. I definitely think that they do a great lead up with it. And then the, like the dinner reservation for 12, I think of what it was, yeah, you yeah. know, and then all of a sudden <laughs> they show up and then you see them. So they do a great job of kind of introducing you to what they're talking about. And then the visual aid comes after the fact, mm-hmm. you know, and then, uh, catch and release in the first one i'm trying to think i don't remember what else what else they use but those two do do definitely stand out Mm -hmm. um yeah there was um there there are a few of them i I forget what else exactly there was like terms for different items that they use like the marker in the second one and then they thought seeing be seeing you yeah turning out to like i won't i'm not gonna kill you this time Mm -hmm. you know that's what it you know he says it a couple times i don't i they they definitely took a cut like they ran wild the third one and they had overlapping themes or jargon or what however you want to call it that they kind of ex, um expounded on as they went forward which yep. i did appreciate too yeah yeah you know um yeah another one was uh professional courtesy consider this a professional courtesy yep. um in different contexts but almost the same sort of sentiment yep um But yeah, no, I I should mention before we, I guess, get into these uh, discussions that I wrote my college thesis on these films, specifically one and two, because the third one hadn't come out yet when I was uh, writing my uh, thesis Mm -hmm. for my English capstone. So basically, uh, when I was in school graduating, I had my my last semester, one of the classes I had was my English capstone. Uh, language and literature capstone classes, which the project was basically um, we had to write a at least 25 page paper, double spaced um, about pretty much anything that we wanted, as long as it tied back into literature in some way. Mm -hmm. And I had chose to uh, make the case, I guess you could say that the John Wick films and John Wick as a character were a modern form of mythology yes because john wick as a character is a very old testament figure he's got this legend behind him he's killed like scores of men i likened him to um odysseus not well i did well i did include some of uh odysseus in the thesis of course um because it's a big mythological story but also with um uh, Samson from the Old Testament Bible, right? Um, because there is a passage in the Old Testament that reads that Samson killed a uh, hundred thousand men with the jawbone of an ass, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I likened that to when Vigo in the first movie is describing John Wick how he killed three men in a bar with a pencil. Yes, and even in the second movie when Santino D'Antonio is running away from him in like the mirror. Uh, maze area towards yep. the end of the movie. Uh, spoilers for all these films, by the way. Uh, that yeah. should be a given. Um, when he's running away from John Wick, he says the line, you think you're Old Testament? Like, it, it just resonates oh, with the he, fact that he okay, yeah. he very much is kind of like this Old Testament mythological figure in 100%. a way. 100%. And um, 
there's all these like different like whispers about him in like the assassin community like you hear the name john wick characters who have tons of power in those worlds start to have that fear instilled in them you see them throughout all three movies and they do it in such a way that like you actually believe it and it helps to see the character uh use his prowess on screen in the Mm -hmm. action scenes um, so him as a character, of course, and then of also like the world itself is just drenched in different forms of mythology that they pulled from like ancient Greece and ancient Rome. There's right. of course, like the Latin phrases that are everywhere, most notably on his back tattoo, mm-hmm. which reads, uh, Fortis Fortuna Adiovat, which I think means fortune favors the bold. Um, <laughs> and when it says fortune, it means the goddess Fortuna. Right. Um, and not just, you know, fortune as a concept, which right. it could have like a double meaning too. It's been a long time since I've written that paper. <laughs> You're good. I don't I'm, think anyone's going to challenge you. <laughs> <laughs> Might have forgotten a few details yeah. here and there. Well, first they'd have to read it so that you got that going for you. Right. You know, I want to I want to find it uh, just so I can uh, maybe like post it somewhere Dude, where people can find it on the freaking pod. Yeah. If you want to read a, a college essay, basically NFT, <laughs> Kyle's uh, NFT is uh, his thesis paper. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no. well, collector's item. One out of ten. Sell them for 15 bucks. That means that means people can change a few words and then it's theirs and then they can sell it for even more money. No, we'll get it all. We'll get it patent published. Okay, all right. I got I I got you. I get what you're putting down, even though I really don't. Um, so yeah, I I, uh, I I it's safe to say that I have a decent affection for these movies, and obviously, I don't think these movies are perfect. I think they definitely have some flaws. Some are weaker in certain aspects than others. Some are stronger in certain aspects than others. But we will get to those. Yeah. Um, Is there anything else you wanted to say before we kind of like jump into it? No. I'm I'm really happy that you said um, the mythological aspect of it because watching it, it was, I think by the third one, I go, He's not a supernatural force because he gets the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you see his weaknesses and defects and he bleeds. Mm-hmm. I go, but there is something around him that I just don't understand because you know he can't be stopped. Right. And he's <laughs> he's got a, you know the presence around him of uh, at like certain death. You know, so there I don't know what that brings, and it's not just the writing for the character. You know, so I'm glad that you actually said that because that makes a whole lot more sense to me now mm-hmm. about, you know, he's he's probably like Achilles. You know, it, there's probably an off button somewhere, but to find it would be, you know, insane. It yeah. takes so much work, you know. To, so, I mean, that's just in my head, at least however it goes, you know, however you, you attribute him to whoever he is. Um, but that makes more sense in, in terms of kind of separating those two types of forces, if you will, in these films. Like... Michael Myers feels like a supernatural force, mm-hmm. you know, where you never see anything, you never think he's going to die. John Wick, absolutely. I mean, it's the movie, so you're in your head, you're like, they probably won't kill him off, but there's never the sense that he won't. And they even lead off the first one with the inclination that he might. Yeah. And it's, I think it builds up and it makes it even stronger. And then by the second and third one, you're just, you get a little bit more into the craziness. Mm-hmm. I would say it's like the fish that keeps getting larger. 
Yeah. You know, that's the story keeps growing and they, so anyway, that's, I just wanted to add, I mean, that I'm glad you said that because it makes a whole lot more sense to me now about kind of my feelings towards Mr. Wick. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a character that definitely goes through a lot of suffering too. So you're, you're constantly reminded that this dude is mortal and that he, he is easily succumbed to pain just like the rest of us, but it's like his sheer will that keeps him going. Um, Which, which is a line in the first film. <laughs> yeah, and it, it by the second and the third one that had lost me. <clears throat> they do their best to remind you, mm. but John Wick becomes more than what it he started out as. Yeah, you know, or the reason why, and they keep trying to bring it back, but it's like, and I I lost that that feeling by the second and third one. Yeah, well, I, I kind of get what you mean a little bit, and we'll we'll get into it. Sure, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm what you you got. This is you. This is your world. This, oh boy. you're John Wick right now. I'm Keanu. Yeah. Oh my god, I want to be the. Uh, I want to be management. <laughs> You'll be Winston. Yeah, <laughs> or oh, who do you want to be, Winston or Lance Reddick? Who's Lance Reddick? He's uh, the clerk. No, I like. Oh, they're both good. I like Winston more though, just because of the way he talks. Winston does have a really good voice. Oh my god! They they cast him really well. Ian so McShane, perfect. Um, so the first John Wick film came yeah. out 2014, directed by Chad Stahelski, also co-directed by David Leach. Not a lot of people know that because he's not listed as a co-director. Really? Because. Normally, in order to be a co-director on a movie with someone else, you either have to be related to them, like the Wachowskis or the Safdie brothers, or you have to be an established duo, like Miller and Lord, or Lord and Miller, I guess, how people normally say it. Okay. Um, And so, he technically is not a director on this film, but he basically is a co-director. Did they give him, like, executive producer? Pro- yeah. They did? Yeah, okay. he's he's one of the executive producers, air quotes. I was about to say that. Basically usually... director. Right. Um. So, uh, David Leach, you know, if you're unfamiliar with him, he also directed Deadpool 2, Atomic Blonde. Um, he directed this upcoming movie called Bullet Train with Brad Pitt and a few other people in it. Aaron Taylor Johnson. The trailer like just came out. I was about to say, I think I've seen the trailer. Mm-hmm. It was, it, yeah. It's uh, it's the same like uh, stunt production company too. Eighty Seven Eleven Productions. Yeah, as this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- as all these movies too. I I didn't notice that till I was watching the third one. I thought Eighty Seven Eleven so such a catchy. T- it really is. Production house. It, it catches your eye, too, especially yeah. nowadays now that it's established with good action films. But uh, essentially, this first film uh, is uh, stars Keanu Reeves and is about a ex-assassin named John Wick who he's retired. Um, he's out of the business. He's out of the game. Uh, but his wife gets sick, and she dies of an illness that we never find out about, really. And so... <laughs> he starts to grieve you know he's he's sad that his wife has died of course and uh but then one day he gets uh it's a puppy pretty quick i mean it's like in the mail <laughs> yeah i mean it's like literally like she knew she was on her way out so she did a quick text while he wasn't in the room <laughs> yeah it's a pretty uh it's a pretty fast scene i think it's like maybe like less than two minutes all of that stuff happens it's within the first i'll just say five minutes but yeah. it's even it Dude, he's they literally get done with the um the visitation mm-hmm. and he's in his house they they put her in the ground and then he's back at the house and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door yep he gets a knock on the door and it 
turns out that it's a puppy that his wife had left for him to look after and raise because she knew that he would need uh, something or someone to care for. Unconditional love. Unconditional love. He's probably looking for a little of that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he has this puppy. Uh, He has a run-in with these uh, Russian gangsters who break into his house, and they steal his car, and they kill his dog. And then after that, the whole movie becomes about John Wick going on a bloody path of revenge. Yeah. Fun. Mm-hmm. Very fun. Um, so I saw this movie in theaters when it first came out, like I said before. Right. Do you remember your kind of like first? Um, I believe I was at, <clears throat> I think I might have been at my brother's. So our friends in Grand Rapids, um, you know, it was my brother and a couple of his buddies. So they were in a, uh, like a, du- not a du- duplex. What happens when you share the same house? I wasn't um, even sharing the same house, really. But, you know, like, Grand Rapids houses, like, they have two houses separated. Like, the garages are kind of, like, what's connected. Yeah, I would say that's kind of like a duplex. Yeah, it's pretty close. So, you weren't sharing walls, but maybe, like, walls of the garage. Yeah. Anyways, that we were there, and uh, the kid I coached on the football team at Ferris enthralled with this film. Like, fucking loved it. But I think he was just kind of, you know, he's, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> uh, so it, it, it was about the kills and the deaths and all this and i was like well keanu's back i'll take a look i mean it sounds like a simple enough premise like the uh live die repeat same kind of like i did, i was like tom cruise in an action film pass and then it's like well it's kind of simple i mean at least it's turn your brain off watch like you said mm-hmm. and uh yeah no we threw it on and i was like boy that was really fucking fun yeah like <laughs> it's easy nice to follow it's refreshing it's definitely not action films that you typically see you know even with i mean there's a lot of uh 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 one take shots i can't even i'm drawing a blank on on, on the word but um you know probably f- there's a good 20 30 second scenes here and there of him taking down like three four dudes mm-hmm. popping guys in the head you know and, and i thought it was uh it was just it was really it was fun to watch i mean really fun it really yeah it definitely is and it it came out to the same year that taken three had come oh, out jesus and Christ. by that point i think people were just really tired of the way the action films were edited like the quick cuts and the yes. shaky cam where you can clearly tell that liam neeson wasn't really doing anything too strenuous to perform those action scenes they just tried to make it so that they could hide all the imperfections so they just force an epilepsy upon the audience yeah. that goes and sees it whereas this movie i remember thinking to myself even then when i was 19 years old man this is this is refreshing oh yeah this is so good to actually be able to tell what is happening you can see people getting shot in the head and taken down judo style by keanu reeves dude and you can see that it is keanu reeves doing all the stunts oh yeah you can't there might there might have been a couple times where you could and and i don't the first one i don't know maybe the second and third one where you can kind of hide it with the lighting Mm -hmm. but like and that's not to take it away because absolutely the red circle scene in the first one oh best scene in the movie oh my god by far and what's funny too is um so i i didn't do this for this time i'd done it before but i listened to the commentary Mm -hmm. on this film and the second one i don't think there's one for the third but i guess during that red circle club scene yeah keanu reeves had a had a fever the entire time oh really yeah he was like 
really sick. And, but he like still showed up and was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna perform the scenes, guys." And you know, you can just picture him like really going for it, even though he probably felt like absolute shit during the entire Doesn't thing. Doesn't show at all. It, it does. Is yeah. The best. It. It. By. I think. For me, it really gets turned on when uh, after he kills the guy, you know, in the puddle of water, which mm-hmm. is just fantastic. So the, the, there are some creative kills, too, oh, yeah. which you got to appreciate in, in a movie that doesn't take, like, a whole lot of shots. Mm-hmm. Like, taken, like, there could be some creative kills, but then you're like, all right, they edited the shit out of that. Yeah, there's, like, 14 <laughs> different camera angles going yeah. on at once. Jesus. Like they would be doing like they show the guy's face and pan up, show the guy's face, pan up, show the guy's face, pan up, and then I like do a swivel and then like shoot in to show the guy's face. If it was a taken movie with that with Keanu, but this one was just so subtle. He grabs it, kind of leans the guy into the water. He starts, he's trying to spit it out, and he just keeps oh, yeah. his form there. He and just, it's just he says like "fuck you" or like yeah. whatever. And they, you see it the whole time, and there's really no music going, so the the heightened sense of what's going on and kind of you know the. And this is a pretty gruesome death. Like, if you mm-hmm. think about that, to be outmanned like that as an individual and to yeah. die within three inches of water. Basically naked in a bathrobe. Yeah. And getting choked out by this dude in a suit in a locker room. How intimate it is. You know, it's not <laughs> yeah. like he walked in there and popped him in the face or shot him in the chest. I mean, like, he, it's hand-to-hand combat, and, and you couldn't get two inches of water. Like, imagine you dying, like, you fell down, had a stroke, and because you couldn't lift your head, you just suffocated in a pool of water, like, in a rain pot. Like, that is, it's so shitty to Mm -hmm. go out like that, but at the same (laughs) token, like, they did such a great job with that scene of just holding it there and letting it just sit, and I was like, God, like... Yeah, I really like that scene, and I think my personal favorite kill in this movie is the one that comes, like, right after it, when he's sneaking around uh, the bathhouse, and... The, the guys in the security room, they're like, level three, check. And then, like, you see the guy with, like, the silhouette with the blood splurt. And then the next one after that, when he, like, takes the bald guy and, like, shoves him against that, like, brick wall and just, like, stabs him in the throat. And he slowly, like, pushes him down against the wall and he's staring into his eyes as he's dying. I was like, fuck, that is cold. That yeah. Is, that is brutal. You can feel the rage that yeah. he has in this thing. And but I, it's also... Th- funny too because he's kind of compassionate a little well i don't want to call him benevolent but like i mean not like that but like think about it kevin kevin nash you know he's wwe fighter was mm -hmm. outside the club easily could have yeah just because he knew him you know just yeah francis yeah why don't you take the night off (laughs) (laughs) and the big ass gulp that he has yeah yeah he's been like he knows he's he's scared shitless because john wick's pointing a gun at him yeah um understandably so but i love the fact too that in that specific scene um it goes from this sort of like stealth kind of like keanu reeves hasn't been like made out yet like he hasn't been found out right uh through like the security cams or like by anyone seeing him until he's like staring at eosef um what's the what's the actor's name um theon Greyjoy from game of thrones that oh, kid sure um, I forget the actor's name. Uh, oh, that's not his name. Alfie Allen. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when he's when he's staring down Alfie Allen, because Alfie Allen's the one who killed his dog or whatever. Um, and he's like kind of 
drenched in that moment and like a little distracted when like that moment happens this guy like sees him and he's like oh and they like have that struggle and they burst through the shelving and break it and then all of a sudden everybody knows that he's there so john wick has to go into john wick mode basically like quickly shoot everybody in the head as fast as he can and try to get to this kid in time you know oh yeah and uh the the club scene in the whole film is just so well done so well shot my god best best action scene in the movie for sure um, Probably close to all three of them. Yeah, I would say there's another one that might be slightly better for me. We'll get to that yeah. later. Yep, yep. Because <clears throat> um, they're, they're all pretty fresh for me. I did a John Wick marathon over two or three days before this. So I, yeah. I got, it's, yeah. And I, I've seen the movies enough times, especially the first one, to like know them pretty well. This is your Big Lebowski. I would say so. Yeah. I, just a little, pretty close. A little less uh, laissez yeah, <laughs> in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the way the characters are. <laughs> Um, Could you get like two two guys that probably represent the same thing just on different sides of the spectrum? Both yeah. mythological. Long long haired bearded dudes. Yeah. <laughs> dudes. Dudes. <laughs> uh Keanu Reeves has said dude a lot in his early filmography. <laughs> um I don't think he says it once in these films. No, he seems pretty well put together. Yeah. Um so yeah, club <laughs> scene's great. Um so I really love the way it's shot obviously i love the the secretive world that they build up and the character of winston and what he represents a very small blip that i actually i don't know if the guy the director had it in mind but to take that and expand on it Mm -hmm. i think it takes a lot to recognize the world that you could create and then do it so these movies that's a that's a good thing you brought that up because i did want to bring this up at some point all three of these films were written by Derek Colstead. Okay. But it is important to mention, too, that Chad Stahelski, who has directed all three films, um, he was Keanu Reeves's, uh stunt double mm-hmm. on the Matrix films, the yes. original Matrix films. Um, and they've had this friendship for a long time since then, of course. You know, they've had this, like, connection and stuff, and, you know, they hang out all the time. And they were just basically waiting for the right script to come along for them to be able to work together on a film. And then the script of John Wick came and they were like, all right, let's just latch onto this and we'll make this into something great. We'll make this like, and he says it in the, I think either an interview that he did or the commentary itself in the first film. But he says that the original goal was to just make an artful action film as artful and as actiony as you could possibly get i think they did it and i I think that especially this first one too i think it hits the nail on the head you know there's so many different uh uh stylistic choices that go on that just work in like these different types of scenes you know you've got the club scene and then you've got the scene outside the church where he's shooting people with like uh, a rifle yeah and uh you've got of course like the beginning house scene where everything's dark and there's still like this element of stealth going on and you don't really quite know what the world is about yet i mean it's funny too because you say that well i don't want to yeah go no you go ahead well i was gonna say you say that you really don't know who john wick is yeah like i i remember when i first saw it, i had a oh shit moment mm-hmm. like you're like all right he's gonna you Dude, you don't know how well the choreography is going to be. And mm. you don't know that they're going to do all these freaking tracking shots and that it's going to be just mayhem and you're just going to watch it unfold. Yeah. So, like, it's funny because they have this, like, almost satirical buildup with John Wick. Remember, he's, like, 
pounding the concrete. And he's yeah. like, I left this robot. And on your watch, and he's like, ah, and it's raining out. And you're like, all right, guys, <laughs> like, where are we going with this? You know, it like, could have been easily way too cheesy. Oh, exactly. And I think they some of it's for farce. And mm-hmm. I think I think they had like a certain comedic um, element behind it, where they they knew, like you said, he's a mythological like person in yeah. these films, like. And you're living in modern day New York. Like, let's have some fun with it, just a little bit. Let's build it up to like, he is gonna be, you know, Samson. Like, let's and let's let's show it and kind of give it that like uh, um, uh, feeling behind it, you know. So he's he's doing the concrete and you're watching it. And he's he's got a, like in the shower and he's got the fucking tattoo on his back and you're like, I don't speak French, man. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> and uh, you know, so and you're watching it and then all of a sudden it's like these guys are in the house and then do. Doom, boom, 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 doom, boom, doom. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you're, you're, there's no, I mean, there's no point. You're like, fuck, man. Like he should have gotten killed. This and that. I mean, it and it happens quick, and probably how it would if it was real life. Well, yeah, and it helps too, because like we were talking about those scenes, those scenes could have easily been cheesy if those action scenes didn't live up to what was building up yes like the those scenes wouldn't have been justified if the action was like that in the taken sequels or in fucking the matrix resurrections you could have had him fighting six guys at one point in this thing and like and did like your action like your cuts your quick cuts your kind of different camera angles and agreed that would have been like, what the fuck? I yeah. mean, he gets done with this. Those guys show up and he takes out three dudes in six seconds. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a ch- chudo chop, shot, shot, stab, shot. Yeah. And then it's onto the next tier of guys. Yeah. I really, I really love the, because uh, there is, there is too in the fight choreography, like a clear fighting style. Yes. Like they, yes. they do a lot of uh, judo and a lot of like, Almost the, the like hip. these grappling maneuvers. Yes. And they incorporate gunplay into it. Yes. Um, and, and that's what they've basically been doing and like practicing for like all these films. It's it remarkable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was saying, like, could you imagine? All right, you've got we're guys, we're gonna do this one shot. You got all the extras in there. Keanu, here we go. All right, we're gonna let the camera roll. Hit your marks. You got 30 seconds. Let it loose. Four guys. Remember, two here, two. I mean, for them to fucking execute that is Mm. like insane. It was, I was talking about it yesterday, just watching the third one. Cause I, I, and we'll get there, you know, but like, I'm like, my God. I mean, it takes so long to, to execute that and to do it. And, you know, cause in Taken, you just, all right, we're going to let the camera roll. We got this one, this one, this one going. We'll splice it. Here we go. Boom. Out you go. You get one mark wrong. Like, all right, hold on, hold on. Like run it back, you know, and they, maybe there's some sort of splicing going on. They, they, they could have had some choppy cuts that we didn't see. So, I mean, but props to them if they did, because we don't really notice it. Right. You know, but like, yeah, just fucking the amount of the craftsmanship that goes into it. Absolutely. And just that stance alone, not even with the, the stylization and the visuals of it. I mean that, th- yeah. So, so, um, We've talked a lot about like the action itself, right? What um, what do you think of like the overall story? So for um, for, for this the, first for one. the first one, mm-hmm. uh, I I liked it. I'm glad that you said it does give a it gives a little bit of a myth a lot like a like almost like a fairy tale, not a fairy tale, but like a legend. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where because I was saying I'm like I and I like I said you know uh, I'm learning more about films even though I've been watching them for fucking ever. Um, 
<laughs> not going to make fun of myself. Uh, the mythological tale of John Wick. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, it, to not have that supernatural force, but you kind of see like this would be a tale of his. Like when this, when when this, when his life's over, and, and from the first one, that would be a story about how he got back into it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And then it turns into the house, and he killed a hundred men, and. You know, and then he found the the underworld, and he took out this whole the mafia instead of just the one guy. But like, it's um, it resonates a little bit more. Um, you know, not, not having a better idea of how to view him as a character. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it was just a real person in real life, it still it would hold up. It just feels kind of it's a little fantastical. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why that I think the mythological aspect helps to it. Yeah, absolutely. The that secretness uh, or the secretiveness of it really carries that uh, fantastical element and makes it believable. Like you can suspend your disbelief a little bit more. Uh-huh. Well, and that I mean, and then what? How it, they ate it? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't. It, you could have it where it's like taken, and you have all those. I mean, and you're just watching them take out twelve dudes, and it's like, <laughs> did okay. you watch him take out twelve dudes though, or did you really watch him jump a fence in fourteen cuts <laughs> in seven seconds? <laughs> Look it up. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's just sometimes it just cram shit in for no reason to add juice. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna shit talk the Taken sequels a lot in this. Well, in this you, I haven't episode. seen that in forever, so I don't even think I saw Taken three. Taken two, actually, it's funny because uh, one of my buddies, not to get on a tangent here, but like you talk about my memories. Uh, Taken two came out. I didn't want to watch it because I was like, or it was Taken three, one of the two. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> and I was like, they all kind of blend together. Yeah, after a I was like, point. the first one was good, but I know how these sequels go. They always take it and then they they inject it with steroids and and amphetamines, and it's just it's always crap. The story holds the same. It's just a different venue. They always know? take it. Whoa! Taken your words, not mine. Yep, definitely mine. Because in, t- in uh, case Liam's listening, shout out L I M. But I, we had my buddy had his. He had a girlfriend at the time. He's like, hey man, like we're gonna do like a little bit of a. You know, my this girl's coming over. Her friend's coming over. Why don't you guys hang out? We'll hang out. And I was like, oh cool. Like all right, and. uh and I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. And she came down and she was like, oh, so blah, blah. And I was like, okay, like I, we're not going to have like a civilized conversation at all, <laughs> you know. And then she started ripping shots and I was like, great. So then she got drunk in 10 minutes because she took like four shots. And I'm like, what are we like? I'm by babysitting now. Like, what the fuck is this? And then she's like, I want to watch a movie. And I was like pick it out and she just walked up and she's like what about this one and i was like no no like please and she just was like <laughs> no i'm kind of and i was like so i got four i forced to watch that shit and i didn't even watch it i just sat there i was kind of like poking fun at her a little bit you, you yeah, know you were a little bit pissed at the situation well it's like i just remember my buddy like, like thinking in my head like were you trying to help me out or give me the fucking babysit like you knew the story on this person i didn't well no to end the night to end the night after she did like half a fifth she went, threw up, and then shit with the door open. <laughs> it was like the worst. Like I'm like, what am I listening to? And she was like farting up the steps. And then she was getting like <laughs> turned on. So she was kind of doing like the googly what? eyes at me. And it was like, oh, you look good. Uh, and then like I could just hear her go in the bathroom because we didn't in this house we didn't have a door on it, so you never took a dump in the downstairs bathroom because you didn't have the door. Right. Oh, just heard her going, and I just was like, this is like. So it was, it was an awful night. It was one that uh, I and I don't remember this this poor gal's name, but I remember how 
embarrassed and pissed off I was. And then by the end of the night, how disgusted I was. I didn't think it could get worse in terms of emotions, but to go from being mad to grossed out is a really big swivel. I don't think a lot of people ever encounter. So what I really like about John Wick's story. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I had to get that off my chest because I can. I, I have flooding memories of this night. It was awful. Oh uh, well, I'm glad that you could uh, you could release that tension, and uh, I'm I'm here for you. And it, I really am. That's my story of I, why I don't remember the Take of movies, and actually, I probably haven't watched any since then. You know, that's a decent reason why you wouldn't remember those. You were preoccupied. Um, no, don't, don't, don't. No, I was not pre. I was not anything. I was upset because I had a person now just in my bubble. <laughs> it went did from not like, want. yeah, like massaging my bubble to just in my bubble, mm. and then that's when. And you can't kick her out. Like, what do you do? See you later. Yeah. So I, I, we don't have to I go on. I don't know. know. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's awful. It's fucking. It's the worst. It's, okay. It's the invisible hand that sits on your. And my buddy, it's the same fucker that I just called a meathead. You are a meathead. And you're a POS for doing that to me. He's probably not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Love <right>. you guys. <laughs> Love you guys. You guys are the backbone of our uh, operation. <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> bring it back to John Wick. Yeah. Um, I, so the world building in the first movie, you know, something I praise and cherish and love. I think they the did a actual great- like story. There are some strong points and there are some weak points for me, okay. especially after having rewatched this movie a bunch of times. Right. I definitely think the last act of the film is the weakest. 100%. I think that as soon as Michael Nyquist's character, Vigo, as soon as he finds Willem Dafoe, which, by the way, Willem Dafoe's in this movie, which I almost always forget until I rewatch this. On um, Harold role. I know. Uh, he's <laughs> He's great in everything. I love the man. Um, <laughs> shout out William Defoe. Shout out if you're listening. Um, by that point is when the film, like, I don't want to say goes downhill, but it definitely takes a step down it, in it, terms of the overall quality of the story. I would say, because I'm with you, but mine starts a little sooner. Okay. Mine turned into, um, maybe it did have to go this route, maybe it didn't, but um, when he's when he got captured. You see, you know. Okay. And that scene and that, like, uh, I don't even, I wanted to ask you, is that a, was it Dues Ex Machina? Uh, when he, when Willem Dafoe shoots the guy through, like, the. No apparent reason. <laughs> through for, the uh, stained glass window. I mean, you kind of figure he's a guardian angel in all this. Because, I mean, maybe that adds to the mythological sense that, you know, these people that go on these journeys I have. like, I, I will say that I like that, excuse me, I like that scene. Right, because to me it embodies the fact that John Wick does have these weaknesses, and he is a mortal character. Like if Willem Dafoe wasn't there, he would be dead. Like there was no real way for him to like really get out of that situation without Willem Dafoe's character being there. Right. So it acknowledges the fact that John Wick, even though he is this imposing figure and he does do a lot of what the stories around him have been built up, right? Uh, he has a lot of help along the way. For and that's that's exemplified in not only this movie, but in the movies to come after it, too. Yeah, and that's where, I guess... So, to me, that scene was, like, kind of the start of that whole acknowledging that, okay, John Wick is great, but he's not invincible. And he needs 
help along the way if he's going yeah. to get through whatever obstacle he needs to get through. And I so I kind of like that scene for that. And also I'm a little, I'm kind of a sucker for that cheesy like monologue that he has. When no, he's I threatening love, Vigo. Dude, I love that. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. the best. I, every time I see it, I get goosebumps. Cause I was like, dude, you see his emotions. Like Keanu does such a great job. He plays such a bland guy this whole time, mm-hmm. you know, just no empathy whatsoever, or sympathy or whatever you apathy, just fucking, yeah, I'm doing what I got to do. And then all of a sudden you get to see like, what everything meant to him. Like, yeah. How this build up. Maybe you saw it in the car scene. Product placement. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I love that scene personally. But, but um, I see. I, it is, it's close. It's close to where like we sort of acknowledge where like the movie starts to like. Well, okay. I was about. I just I had different. I guess my the viewpoint I had with him because of the other the stories that you hear about him. Maybe I guess he does have that help. But it doesn't feel like he it, he's a one man band. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you probably wouldn't hear that someone saved his life from all these other stories of, you know, killing people with the pencil. And if, when you when you wanted to kill the boogeyman, you'd hire John Wick. But mm-hmm. it doesn't because of that, that area, that the sense of him, you know, is why that didn't feel. But I'm with you, though. That's when you bring it down a notch. He yeah. isn't he isn't this person. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a human being he is immortal so yeah not immortal amortal mere mortal mere mortal yeah exactly and not only that too like his story goes but like also like some of the sound editing was weird like i have a hard time every time when vigo is interrogating uh or basically torturing willem dafoe's character and yeah. they play that Marilyn manson song that they play at the beginning which the first time they play it they're like okay i guess it like kind of fits thematically with what's going on but then they play it again and i'm like all right i'm a little sick of this song and so we're then killing they're killing strangers yeah we're killing strangers and so then they're playing that song while he's punching willem dafoe in the face and stabbing him in the leg and the sound mixing is not great like it's a you, bizarre scene you the music is so loud compared to how quiet the characters are speaking to each other like vigo is talking to willem dafoe and he's like it's because of you, my son. Di- and meanwhile, Marilyn Manson's going, "We're killing strangers!" Like the yeah. over the whole thing, and it's it's jarring to say the least. And uh, that, and then of course, like the scene with the cars by the helicopter pads when Keanu Reeves is like basically like car bullying these guys that when they're trying actually, to escape. It was kind of fun. I, it was I did, fun. I did like that. I had I had a little bit of fun. It's not great. It yeah, was had, well. It was fun, but like it as a third act last action scene, it kind of felt a little underwhelming. Like the club scene in the movie is so good and so well done that right. that that last car scene just sort of pales in comparison. I think if I had, I mean, just think about it now. Actually, though, I mean, if they were really in cars, which I'm guessing they probably were and beating the shit out of those cars and getting guys <laughs> to marks like they thought that that would be a lot cooler in terms of now they're taking another prop and adding it so mm-hmm. you know now it's not just guns but we're going back and forth i mean m- maybe i'm with you though I'm yeah the, the third act fell out short right? and like listening to the commentary too you can even tell that chad stahelski was like yeah Knife fight in the rain. We kind of just we felt like we had to end it somehow, so we well, just kind of chose that. So you get the sense that like, all right, maybe they were like pressed for time, or like they didn't really know how to end it, so they just kind of went with like the whole like cliche knife fight in the rain with like the last big baddie, you know? Just it was of, he even though, like, 
Vigo. I, Vigo at that point just felt like, and that's like one of the things that I really kind of like about that scene was like you know that he's kind of accepted the fact that john wick is gonna kill him yeah and so like he's just he's just goofing almost the entire time like with uh dean winters like he's dean winters is asking for like a gun the whole time and vigo's like oh what can you get it can you catch it for me in time like he's just playing with him oh yeah he knows it's over because he knows it's over yeah. and so that part i liked but i think that is really like the most like standout part that i enjoyed in that third act. Otherwise it kind of just felt a little, I don't know, underwhelming compared to what came before. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, uh, well, a hundred percent and it's tough to do. Even, even the church scene as well done as it is. Um, I mean, I, I don't know the introduction of John wick and then to the red circle. Like it's just, you, it's yeah, it's so, well, it's so cohesive. Think about it too. Okay. So, you get the introduction of John Wick because you don't know what to expect. You just paid fucking $31.78, and you're watching this on the big screen, and you're like, where are they going with this thing, right? Mm. And then all of a sudden, he kicks, fuck, just shit kicks everyone, and you're just like, <laughs> you just sat there, and you're like, and then they have a little levity immediately afterwards, which mm. adds to the freaking cheeseburger now. You know, so now you're like, oh my God, it's funny, and they know what they're doing, and this guy's a badass, right? Yeah. And then you get into the red circle, right? And then the red circle fucking music stumping, the visuals, the colors, it's all eye candy. I love and the music. they're fucking like he's destroying everyone, and it's still even on a grander scale now. Yeah. You know, and then all <laughs> of a sudden, like, where do you go from there? You yeah. know, and they and they they hit it with the church, and it's just like you just hit us with these two awesome things and now we gotta go back into like well, it's a story again like you even yeah. forget that you're even watching a movie well the church to me isn't as bad because no i feel like i feel like it was leading up to something that was coming after that would be like oh that's really great and you kind of get that a little bit when he kills yosef the, yeah the guy that kills his puppy even then I mean. like you get that a little bit and i really like the music that accompanies it when he like shoots him in the head and he's like walking away in slow motion and the screen blurs and the song is just like it's like this rock song with like these female vocals in the background and it's like it starts slowing down and it gets like all like i don't know i really enjoy that scene and i think the church scene before it is like a good build-up to me anyway yeah um, i'm not i i I'm not describing. I think they're all fantastic. I mean, like I said, I, we're both in agreement. I think even mm-hmm. even the in the for me it it probably that that escalation actually the only thing I think I may like the car scene a little bit more than I would have liked when he killed was it Yusuf? Yeah. I mean, just kind of leading up to that, but like those three scenes all hand in hand to me are, are like like I said, you know, you got a ten and then you got a nine point two. Like there's you don't watch it and you're like, that just sucked compared to the rest of the film. Like it <laughs> right. fits in. It's just not there's not as much you're not as stimulated because yeah. it really holds the merits of now it's just the fighting of the choreography of what John Wick's doing. I mean, if you think about it, like the church, it's bland. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he goes in there, he gets some guns, and he does kind of the, some of the same stuff that he was doing, right? Yeah. You got a newer gun, so kind of cool or kill, but like they go outside and it's just fucking like New York City and, you know, what, 60 degrees in a fall day. Like, sweet. I just came out of the red circle. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I just got music thumping, and there's fucking neon lights going everywhere and then here i am out on fifth street this really gray church in this really gray street (laughs) yeah that's what i'm saying and then you get into the next one and he's kind of i mean he just escaped death and now you know he's pissed and then 
you know, I think the coolest thing they did, they, they had the cars explode, mm-hmm. you know, but that, and I had a problem with that scene. Oh, yeah. You know, scene logistics. I am going to call scene logistics on that one. <laughs> How does he get bombs on all three of those cars in a surrounded compound when he's out sniping everyone trying to get into the compound? Mm, yeah. That, that, yeah. The way this whole scene was like edited and shot. Yes. It made me think like, okay, he's, they're like skipping points in time to like get yeah. to the meat and potatoes of the situation. And so I just kind of suspend my disbelief at that point where I I'm did, like, okay. I did. Listen, man. He, he, he must have like gone in, put the bombs there and then like maybe waited for like Yosef to like, I don't know. But yeah, scene logistics, you are right. It is like kind of like makes you think like, okay. But this whole scene is like different in comparison to the other action scenes because it's so point jumping in well, time. And, I mean, how did it, it, it? Yes. And how did he get in there? And it doesn't make sense with where he's coming from unless he snuck in and then snuck back out to infiltrate again. Right. You know, so, but that, if you're at that point in the film and you haven't suspended your disbelief yet, then it, <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. I'll just say that. Um, so we should probably move on to. Yeah, uh, the second the, movie. You, you got to be the timekeeper on this. I, I, I got, okay. I'm I'm the TikTok man. Yeah, which Whoa. is a character in the third one. Um, so what would you rate this first John Wick film? First John Wick for me, I believe I have it as a nine out of ten. Nice. Yeah, because that's so, what I have it as nine really? out of ten. Really? Yep. Dude, your ten. I wonder what your tens are. Uh, probably like two films. <laughs> uh there's a handful. There's yeah. a good handful. We'll get to them. It's probably more than you think. Okay. Um, well, in this, yeah, for me, nine out of ten on this. You're nine out of ten. I I would say I'm a nine out of ten. I think in my head, I even might have went up one. I don't know if I have at eight or nine out of ten, but with the myth, having you have said that now in my head, being able to think about it as we go forward, it really aids that. And uh, yeah, the music, the visuals, choreography in this simplistic story, but one that you said it's like a like an urban le- like a legend, like a tale, like a however you want to view it. Yeah. Uh, and they, they 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 took it from the Old Testament, and put it on the screen, <laughs> and they did a great job. It's a it's, yeah. It's like I said before. It's like a great like Old Testament sentiment, mm. you know, a good like mythological uh, character. You like how I did that wordplay there? Yeah, Old Testament sentiment. Yeah, mm. that's going on a shirt. That's the fourth <laughs> one. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> New merch. Um, TBA. <laughs> I keep saying that. It's going to happen one day. So, um, yeah, I guess we can move on to uh, cool. John Wick Chapter 2. Um, do you want to give the synopsis of this one since I yeah. gave it for the first one? Yeah, and you'll probably want to do the third one, too. Uh, even though I guess both of them are, are, yeah. I watched the third one last night, but I was kind of a little in and out of it. Um, okay. Yeah, so John Wick Chapter 2, uh, we, we immediately picked up where we left off at and and john wick one uh he gets a dog and then i don't exactly remember he's in a car getting chased or chasing guys because all the he goes and he gets his old car back he does but it leads off with like guys in a car and he's chasing down the russians because he found out yeah tipped where the car was so he chases the guy on the motorcycle right and then he like crashes into him 
basically like i think the guy i don't know if he dies or he just like gets knocked out but then yeah he gets out of the car goes to the biker guy's jacket and pulls out this like secret card which you yeah. find out later is like how he gets well, into the russian's it, garage yeah i was about to say it only plays into this little this little exposition scene you know, yeah yeah i think it picked up where it left off if not it's really close to I, recent events i think according to the director's commentary i i, I don't mean to like keep no, you're good because I'm curious about it. Because I, I like you said, you watched the first one and then immediately watched the second one. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I was. So like, it was interesting to be like, oh man, this. Yeah. So uh, the according to the director's commentary, I guess this is supposed to take place like a week yes. after the first movie. Okay. Because he, I don't think he had the dog with him doing all these things, but you definitely get the sense there. He's like, I'm back. I want to get back out. Yeah, and all of the dialogue they really they really um, pick up or, or, or give you all the nuggets of what you miss in the first. Yeah, one. Yeah, it's which, a good like reinforcement of him as a character in the yeah. situation he was in in the first movie. And you build, you let everyone know who John Wick is, and you you get all the, all the stuff that the first one did. They shovel out in the first five minutes of this of who he is and why you're afraid of him. Yeah. So anyway, continue. Um, yeah. No. So that's a he. Uh, you know, takes care of business and he gets back and he goes to the Continental and uh, he, or no, he goes back home and uh, someone shows up and they found out there's this new introduction of, of some of the world that we're living in called was it the Mark, right? The Marker? The Marker, yep. The Marker. And uh, you find out that uh, the night that he got out, uh, someone helped him get out, which is still, I mean, kind of plays a little bit into the Defoe aspect of it because now that I'm thinking about it, that was one problem that I had with that one. I was like, if he's so fucking great, why'd this guy need to help him? And now he owes him his life, you know, but it does play into some of that. Mm. Um, so you find out he's got to help this guy out and uh, he's got to go take someone out. And uh, we get to see more of the continental universe. We get to see more of the under the the the, the belly, the underground, the belly of the underground. Yeah. Right. The underbelly. The un- Whoa. Talk about frisky. Who? Um, yeah. And uh, we get to go to Rome, and then from there it kind of turns into uh, one, not mistake, just plan after plan after plan, and John Wick now finds himself, which was fun, uh, instead of having to take on uh, just one gang, he's got to take on New York City. Yep. And, uh, you know, and that's where it goes from there. So you get to see more of the, the myth that is John Wick. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I was so hyped for this movie, I remember, uh, when it was coming out, because... I just I a lot of the enjoyment that I got from the first movie was showing people that had never seen it for the first time. That 100% movie that goes under underrated. Yeah, yeah. That would be that's an easy one to be like John Wick guy's name on a fucking action film like seeing this. <laughs> but uh i was so excited for the second one and then i watched it in theaters and i watched it in theaters i think like four times really because i kept telling people hey let's go see this movie because i wanted them to see it and like i wanted them to react to the things that were happening in the movie sort of like you're catching the rye huh mm-hmm. and i don't know if you feel the same way about this movie that i do and i <laughs> it, it gets it gets into a progression of sorts okay. with this movie and then again in the third movie. I feel like the kills in this movie get more creative and brutal. And I love it for it. Okay. Like it it like 
there's so much more creativity when it comes to the kills in this movie. And not to say that the ones in the first movie aren't creative or aren't interesting, but they really do a good job of really upping the ante of showing like just how skilled John Wick is as a character and, and where they can go in terms of making a new and fresh action scene in the same franchise. Hundred mm-hmm. percent, and I, you know, it seems like from from what your your body language is telling me now that you oh, feel the same way. No, I, this per, my friend that I was hanging out with last night. We watched it, and um, like I said, we we're kind of guessing. And I, I point, I said from the very beginning of the third one, but in this one too, I said the the kills. I feel like Kyle really likes these things because it evolves along with John Wick. Mm-hmm. You know the the kills that we get to see. We actually get to see newer, fresher, uh, creative ideas. You know from John Wick with the materials that he has to get the job done. Mm-hmm. You know, and they do, and they still nail the the choreography and the action sequences. And it's not like they have to tailor the our perspective as an audience member to what he's capable of doing as an actor, but that being Keanu and not the character of John Wick. So, yeah. you know, you get, it feels like he's doing these things. Absolutely. And they do it and they kind of up the ante. You yeah. Know? And a lot of my favorite parts of this movie are the ones where it feels like he has to improvise in order to get yeah. those kills and to get through the situations that he's in. Like the pencil scene. Which, Which is, yeah, they reference that he, you know, did that sort of thing, you know, before to like kind of build up his character, and then you actually see him do that sort of thing. And it's like, all right, how are they going to? Because you in the scene you see the pencils like clearly focused oh, they, on on the table, yeah. so you know that he's going to use them yes. because you remember the reference in the first movie, and so you're thinking to yourself, how are they going to make this look good and look cool and not goofy as shit to the point where I I can't believe it anymore and they they make it oh yeah so brutal and so like just situational and it almost feels and obviously everything's choreographed but it almost feels improvised the way that the character of john wick has to like he finds the pencils and he freaking stabs them in the nose and he like puts it against the wall and he shoves his like neck into it it's like holy shit (laughs) yeah i mean it's fun it's just kind of fun like it how all right how how could you apply force to this and kill someone with it yeah yeah you know exactly and to be able to do it where you're watching it and you're doing the math as quickly as you can as he's going through doing it and it's believable to the sense of yeah that would happen you Mm -hmm. know um definitely i'm trying to uh what other what other fun kills that they had well Uh, so there was the pencil one obviously Mm -hmm. um i really and this is more of like to do with the environment than it does like the kills themselves but i really like the the final like mirror room oh a hundred like i think that as like a last uh set for an action scene in a movie in like the third act is really good I find myself like going back to YouTube and like just rewatching those specific scenes over and over again because well, they, I think they're so well done and so impressive. It's fun too because if you think about the character that he's kind of targeting, that guy would need some sort of um, help in his environment to escape. Mm-hmm. And that what better than you know a freaking clown show yeah yeah a fun house basically exactly just full of like these reflections you get easily confused and lost in it 
yeah. which John Wick, of course, like almost effortlessly navigates and just brutally he, makes his way through. There's a so, few moments where it's like, oh, what the fuck is happening here? But you know, I mean, as an audience member, yeah, I was trying to think. Though, I'm trying to think because I like watching it. I was like, all right, I can't tell what the fuck's going on. But then I was thinking, like, maybe in there you have a little bit better perspective. I mean, and it's not a fun house where they're doing it intentionally to distort you mm. you know obviously this is artsy so there may be the angles or wherever he's looking at he has some visual clues as he's kind of going navigating the walls or moving around where he'd be able to sense where he's at yeah but he does i mean he, like you said effortlessly because there are some times where he's like you know it's not he's not moving in the streets of new york where you're watching a move and it's like he's like a fucking cheetah on yeah. A <laughs> yeah you know like there's a little <laughs> bit more thought process with him going through this mm-hmm. so what was your what was your favorite scene in this movie um so and i hate to i i, I never try to put my own stuff out here so i saw this film um same at my brother's place it was the same place right when it came mm. out later we all decided we we're gonna watch it and um you know, I, I kind of forgot some of John Wick one, so not all of it was sticking with me. And I think I might have had something else going on where I was like paying attention here and there, mm-hmm. and not giving it probably the credit that it was due. Um, there's a scene in the catacombs where he lays out some guns, and he knows he's gonna be on the way back. Yeah, and, uh, that I that is one of my I really like that scene, but only because it was the first time I actually was like I I thought about the perspective of a henchman. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, have, being thrust into this role of having to kill this mythological force, <laughs> yeah. and knowing it with almost certainty that you're gonna die. Yep. And it was kind of like if we, like, let's say we didn't take a cog in the machine and throw it at John Wick, but actually someone that had some uh, realization to what's happening around them. Mm-hmm. And we were watching it, and I just started dying laughing and. You know, my my buddies, my brother, like, what the fuck's so funny? And I was telling him, I was like, could you imagine, like, you, you're making $15 an hour, and they're like, go get him. <laughs> and you're hearing the screams and the gunshots and, like, just knowing that it's almost certain death. Yeah. Like, not enough money in the world for me to go in there and take, and just to think about, like, <laughs> like looking around like where's he at now and then you have three seconds before you either get a gun to the head or he's fucking like kicking out your knee and then putting a pencil down your ear like yeah yeah (laughs) so that was i think that was like for me the most fun uh uh scene and uh but the ending i thought they actually nailed the third act this time yes i Uh, agree a hundred percent i think the the way the movie is structured yeah is significantly better i think than the first one because it does feel like a progression of yes. difficulty for the character of John Wick, which I feel like is how a lot of action movies should be. You know, you raise the stakes almost every single time. With yeah, with that sense of what you've already laid down in the foundation. Mm-hmm. Like I think without the first one being as successful, this one would be almost like okay, this is getting to you know craziness. But with mm-hmm. what they did in the first one, it absolutely just builds up and you get to see more and more of a guy that's actually probably getting back into better shape yeah with how he's been you know with all the practice he has oh shit <laughs> yeah jesus so like there's the there's the first scene obviously with the uh garage where he gets his yep. car back yep. it's like all hand-to-hand combat for the most part until yep. he shoots the guy's knees out um yeah. other than that it's like you know pretty low stakes like you know not too much to lose but you know he gets his car back and it's pretty like okay th- that makes sense that would mm-hmm. be the natural progression of things 
And then he has to go kill the guy's sister, Santino D'Antonio's sister, Gianna D'Antonio. He has to go kill her, get out of there, and then, of course, he gets found out, has to kill a bunch of guys on the way out. Something that he's done probably hundreds of times before. No big deal. Yeah, he was ready, too. And then, of course, he gets into the catacombs. He gets double-crossed by Ruby Rose, you know, the mute chick who does all the sign language. Mm-hmm. She's like, you know, fuck you. And then he has to escape. Uh, again, a situation that he is probably pretty familiar with. And he's got all those guns that he prepared because he had, he was forward-thinking enough to know that, okay, some shit's probably going to go down. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, he escapes that. He heads back to the continental of Rome. And then he finds out that there is a bounty on his head of $7 million from Santino D'Antonio because, obviously, he wants him dead. So he goes back to New York. Made it out of the catacombs. Yeah, made it out of the catacombs. Gets back to New York, gets attacked by pretty much almost anybody around with a gun and a cell phone. Like, just gets basically swarmed upon in New York. Any assassin that has... communication with what are they it's administration i believe is what they had the overall title was for them yep yep yeah and so anyone in the know which is a lot of people just you know swarm upon him and and just descend on his very being and so he's got to like hustle and struggle to like get to where he gets to which is like the bowery king which is played by Lawrence fishburne he didn't even know that that's where he was going to get to because he had no idea what was going on until He's in the subway and he just went fuck. Like I'm not gonna. Yeah, a, a clear indication that he is is struggling. Yes. And so then he he gets the Bowery King. Basically starts over. The Bowery King gives him a pistol with seven round capacity. He's like, here you go. Good luck. Yep. And so then he goes to confront Santino D'Antonio. Basically, of course, has the odds stacked against him, but he's so full of that sheer will and rage that he just doesn't he just doesn't let anybody get to him. And so he's got like hundreds of dudes like descending upon him, like probably like this sheer force that's like going against him, like bigger than he's probably encountered in a while. Oh, yeah. And so that just natural progression of the struggle of the character of John Wick physically is is a lot better to me in in terms of structure compared to the first one. Oh yeah, I was about to say probably the first one actually it's like a a, a deacceleration now that I think about it. <laughs> it's like it goes from like you probably like red circle in the in the house and then you start going down in terms of like less and less of what he's actually combating. But right. once again it's a revenge story so it's not necessarily um He's not assisting. He's not in this world. He's actually just getting back. So I mean, that on that on that aspect, it kind of makes sense that it would get less and less, you know, as you go throughout taking out because it's just one guy's gang. But in this one, it's almost all of New York. It's all of New York. It's like these basically, uh, yeah, yeah, just these all these different opposing forces that are just against him. He yeah. he has to turn to like the rags, basically, which is kind of symbolic to get to the riches that is Santino D'Antonio. In a way, yeah, I might be stretching it a yeah, little bit, but you know, just a little bit. There's gotta, there's gotta be some you like got symbolism. Because with... you did the mythological thing, and I'm <laughs> fucking all over it right now. So like, whatever you want, Kyle, man. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, I have your permission. <laughs> well, I mean, at least I'll, I'll I'll nod a lot more solemnly. There you go. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, that's it, a very eloquent way of putting it. Mm. Uh, it's very true. And uh, I didn't. I, I watching 
this one, yeah, the progression I think is makes a lot more sense, especially tying it in with sort of the first one, having seen it. Because, like you say, I mean, you, you know, he's a he's a person above the person. Mm-hmm. So when you lose some of that um, element going into the second one, and you just view him as you know a person again, you watch that, and it kind of gets into ludicrousness even though none of it's filmed like that but watching it this time absolutely yeah like you get the point of what he's doing and uh the sheer willpower is the only thing that i think if you have that aspect it will keep you engaged if you don't you get it loses you just a little bit Mm -hmm. because the first one he was doing it for love the second one was pretty kind of obligation yeah well i mean once the guy was gonna kill him. Mm. So then it, it it turns in from being like an external motivator, if you will. I mean, obviously it's survival, but like at what point we've all seen survival and yeah. we all know what it takes to survive. So like the mm. first one to see that the the bond between him and his wife and what that essentially when it was taken from him, you know, when he it was still there and then it just ripped from it. You get us, you get that feeling of how he's probably feeling emotionally, mm-hmm. you know. But you still don't understand. I mean, unless you've been through that pain, you know. Yeah. But this one, everyone probably relate to survival. So that's like the only, mm. in terms of like why it didn't resonate so much with me. But I mean, it's yeah. still John Wick, and he's got to live. So right, and they even kind of reference it too in the movie because Winston tells Santino when Santino says. It's his fault he came back. And Winston goes, he came back for love, not yeah. for you. And that's sort of like that What you that same thing that you were saying there is that like the the sort of motivation of like the situations that are happening kind of does shift. A like little you bit, said. yeah. And uh, they do like kind of try to tie it back to the first movie in this film and the next film. They, which, which in the next film, I kind of have a bigger issue with uh, but both of these we'll, let's let's <laughs> we'll stick let's to this go, one for right let's now. go off this because <laughs> I, and i said this too because I, I was watching it i'm like okay he gets the car one he gets the fucking car and it's all beat up and i'm like yeah, it's I, maybe it's shit. uh symbolic or maybe it's like how he feels maybe it's just because it's materialistic it's not his actual wife is why he doesn't care about it because it doesn't represent what he once had anymore but he pulls out that fucking picture mm. with the birthday card. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, you got that stashed away. Like, I get it. This is a great callback. You're reminding us about what this is all about and what you did. And then he takes it into the goddamn house. <laughs> Put it back in the fucking car. So we always think as an audience, you keep her it's with you. It's associated with the car. Yeah. Yep. And you keep her there. It's not like... It's not ham-fisted to remind us now. It's like, oh, I could see you doing this at any point in the day of, like, if you missed her, like, oh, yeah, she's still here, and this car represents what I used to have, and, like, this is still a piece of what what once was. Like, Yeah, I agree 100%. I think it would have been a much better decision to leave that photo in the car just so we have that emotional resonance with the car still and it like you said reminds us of what happened in the first movie yeah i agree 100 okay, especially I'm, now that you bring it up i'm glad you did because that's uh, uh, they were so <laughs> close to, i mean personally for me i was like they were so close to doing it right because he does it and i was like oh that's a really effective way yeah without having to do dialogue like easily with mm-hmm. the russian could have been like 
you know, I'm back in here and I'm getting out only because of my wife, <laughs> yeah. right? Or whatever. Like, and that would have been like, come on, like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Luckily, the writing is a little bit better than that. <laughs> yeah, it is. But you know what I'm saying? Like, at least they were like, oh, pull the picture out. Let's kind of remind him it's the same photo. Mm-hmm. And then they blew it because he has to bring it for no reason. And then, yeah, and then Santino burns his house down, which to me, the house being burnt down didn't like resonate with me as much obviously as like the intruders killing his dog in 100 percent. and it was kind of supposed to be that sort of same beat because even like the same cop shows back up yeah and like, yeah 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 even in john gas leak <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. kind of a call back to the first movie well they i think that that had such a wide laugh they're like they do a lot of callbacks in these films which they, i appreciate 100 percent. yeah with like aurelio and the uh cop of course yeah um different things it's funny you bring that up too because there was a deleted scene in this movie that had um charlie the body cleaner mm-hmm. in it oh yeah. but i think they chose to not put it in for two reasons. One, because what follows is like just basically another scene of Winston and Santino talking to each other about how Winston thinks it's a really bad idea that he brought the marker to John Wick. And two, the guy that plays Charlie has like a significantly longer beard in that scene when the movie is supposed to take place like a week after the first one. Yeah. So, continuity wise it wouldn't have lined up sure but also thematically they were already just hammering home the same points that we already knew so yeah they just chose not to put it in for I, obvious reasons i think they kind of were i mean that's what they 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 looked in the mirror like we know what we're doing yeah we know what we are mm-hmm. and they but they you know they do like you said i mean they do a great job progressing the film yeah i, I, mean, this, I love the way it progresses and i'm glad you said it too like that because you're absolutely right i mean it, and it you're kind of now you're on the roller coaster because now you're going back up in terms of like what's going on with yeah. his life absolutely um, like this just the situation is is ramped up mm-hmm. to me um i will say that i think uh because david leach didn't really have anything to do with this movie or the next movie I think that there is a little bit of him that you kind of miss in these other two films. This one kind of especially because uh, it doesn't feel as stylistic as the first one did. The first one had a lot of different like camera angles, just in, not even in like the action scenes, but like just the standard scenes just by themselves, you know, right. when he's when characters are having dialogue or like they're walking somewhere or whatever. Like the first movie felt really stylistic in terms of like the cinematography yes. and the the like lighting and the effects and yes. like the visual stuff. This movie felt it wasn't bad, but I kind of missed that whole like sort of artsy feel to it. Like it it felt the first one felt so unique in not just the action, but like just the way that it was shot and like the different oh, yeah. like visual styles that were going on. Whereas this one kind of feels really samey a lot of the time. Like when characters talk to each other, it's sort of like the standard like over the shoulder sort of back and forth. It's a lot of like, you know, mid shots, you know. There is a shot that I really love in this movie. There's a few shots, but one of them that stands out to me is when he's on the train, basically like going to like on his way to go to Rome. And he's like just hanging onto the rail by himself, all like beat up and he like the light is just on him and like this crowd of people that's just all dark around him. I really like that shot. Yeah. That shot's really cool. In terms of just like a non-action scene, I really like that one. But otherwise the way the movie shot, I think 
is a, a, a couple steps down from what the first film was, yeah, in my opinion. I would say, yeah, so it's cinematography of it, I'm mm-hmm. assuming is, yeah. Yep. I mean, I could def- I definitely see what you're saying, because I, I was so enthralled with um, the eye candy, because I think the lighting in this and, and some of the, the visuals are in the, in the music, you know, it's, I thought all of it was fantastic. Like, I, mm. I think all three of them are on the same level in terms of visualization, but I definitely know what you're like when you're talking about cinematography in yeah. terms of maybe becoming stale. Mm-hmm. Some of the action sequences I'm thinking about in the first one, I think there was like one time in the house they were fighting and he took the camera outside and was just panning down the stairs as John Wick was going down the stairs fighting the guys. Uh-huh. Like I think that was a shot. And I think you might, you, like you say, you might miss some of that um, with, with this one. Yeah. Like I think, I think a lot of that definitely was David Leach because yeah. – with Chad Stahelski being the sole director of Chapter Two and Chapter Three, I ca- I feel like those movies are sort of like missing that element, and I, I miss it. I would agree, actually, because now mm-hmm. that I think about it, 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 the third one was definitely stagnant in terms of what was going on. Okay, and I think the third one would actually probably you probably miss it even more than in this one. Yeah, but this one might have just a little bit more of a. a cohesive story yeah with what was going on so it doesn't feel like it's missing as much because like everything definitely seems um planned or um you know used for a reason yeah yeah like uh maybe like forced a little bit yeah i'm trying to think of i'm trying to think there's there's a certain nature you know when you're when you you know you're taking the next three steps forward there's you got you're doing yeah, it for there's a, like kind of like an obligation. Yeah, however you want to view it. I mean, it's just there's more concise in how the third one felt, and I think it actually stands out now that you're talking about it with the third one and what we'll talk about whenever we get to the third Yeah, one. well, I mean, it's a good segue. Um, is there anything uh, else you wanted to say about uh, Chapter 2? I think Chapter 2, the uh, one of the more fun moments in it was when uh, he has to get fitted. He's got to go yes. talk to the sa- I really like sommelier. Mm-hmm. And... Um, there was one other, the only one that I actually didn't like was just the map, the cardiographer. It was the only yeah, one. Yeah, he felt a little like shoehorned it. Like they they really didn't need to show him no. at all. Like you could take him and that scene out and it wouldn't make a difference no. in the movie. That you, I don't even know if, honestly, I don't think as an audience member, if he got to the catacombs, you would be questioning about how he knows his way around. Right. Because it's John Wick. <laughs> so yeah. like, I don't think we have that, but... The sommelier part was kind of funny because they, you know, I just like whatever, like three years ago or whatever, found out like what a sommelier was. Yeah. So when they open up and he opens up the door and you see all the bottles there, it's like, what's he doing? <laughs> yeah. you know? And then it pans over. And then you get to the guns. You see all the weapons. He is going through yeah. all of the guns. And, he's, <laughs> and I was like, oh, what about dessert? Desserts. <laughs> it's like. Oh, it's like oh, this is so refreshing. Yeah, man. it's it's great. It's great. Him and the in the suit tailor guy were pretty good. And, oh yeah. Uh, there is another deleted scene mm-hmm. I will mention. Um, it's like I think it was meant to be a part of that like montage where he goes and he visits a like a cardinal. Oh, like a like those like Catholic priests yeah. guys in the Vatican or whatever. Like he goes and he visits one of them and he like gets blessed by. Uh, one of the cardinals and oh. they say like a phrase in latin to him and he like says something back to them also it's supposed to be like an implication that like there are people in the catholic church that are a part of the world and 
you know, it's kind of cool, but I see why they didn't like they didn't add it in. It just didn't really serve that much of a purpose other More than fluff. like and yeah, they're, they're already driving home of what the what this universe is. Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't need to. Yeah, you don't exactly. Need to drive at home like that. Right. Yeah. Cool. Cool. If you love the world, which I do, but for sure, uh, again, didn't really serve cohesiveness in the scene. So I see why they didn't include it. Um, what would you rate John Wick Chapter Two? So for me, uh, this is an eight. Um, little, like you said, I mean, just a little bit more stagnant. Uh, I think the story. You know, and I'm not talking, I guess, about his his arc or his journey, but the story itself seemed um, a little more, a little like not stale, but it was just kind of. You weren't as invested, I guess, in like the story of it. Yeah, the action scenes were compelling in their own. Oh, dude, I'm telling you right now, I was like, they've one upped it, and they did a fantastic job. I mean, the catacomb scene alone gave me like a whole new perspective that I've never had as an audience member ever, which is like a fucking first. (laughs) And then you have some of like the fighting scenes. They, they, I mean, they kind of show like what he could have did with that pencil. Uh, the subway scene with Cassian was pretty fun. Oh yeah, that you was know? I loved that one too. It's a real that was a really fun fight. I think the only actually really the only person I didn't really like in this was Lawrence Fishburne. Interesting. And okay. I thought he just was doing overacting. Yeah, I it just felt a little over the top. Oh my god! Well, you take what he did, and so this is the first time you see these guys from the Matrix, and you take how they both were. And essentially, Keanu's still the same. So that's your association there is like, all right, it's still the same person. So even if you viewed them as humans, one of the same, Neil mm-hmm. and John Wick, right? Well, right. then you get Morpheus, who's the exact opposite of how the ba- King Bauer. The Bowery King. The Bowery King is acting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe that's how Lawrence Fishburne is, you know, and maybe that's what it was designed for. But like, I was like, it just felt over the top and just a little too much. Yeah, I felt that way too on my first viewing. Mm-hmm. I think with multiple viewings, I've kind of he's kind of grown on me sure, a little I, bit, especially with the context of the third film, which we'll get into. Yeah, but um, I agree with you. I would give this an eight out of ten. Nice. I, I love these movies, but I have to acknowledge some of the flaws. Um, I think that stylistically is not as interesting as the first one. Yeah. And like you were saying, with the character motivations in the story, not as compelling as the first movie also. Right. And Action they, scenes are bangers, though. Oh, my God, dude. I it, This was a 7 out of 10. I mean, it, it went up to an 8 out of 10 just Hell because yeah. I was like watching it just being like, I really got to applaud how they do this. And they didn't. They didn't take more of the same from the first one. I mean, they said, hey, we got something here. Like, Yeah, let's make it right. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, on, to, on to Parabellum. On to John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum, now, which is Latin for prepare for war. Yeah, I was about to say they say it in the movie. Yep. And I happen, they happen to in the fucking big-ass red bowl <laughs> put prepare for war, right? Yep, yep. And uh, I remember being like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what that means. Yeah, like just, you know, simple Mac. <laughs> like, I, my favorite scene in the movie is when Ian McShane turns to the camera and he says, well, you know what they say, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Yeah. <laughs> so slap me upside the head. I was like, oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I guess I can summarize this since you did the last one. Yeah. So John Wick Chapter 3 
is a direct continuation of the last film, even more so than the second one was to the first one. Because mm-hmm. the way the second one ends is he kills Santino D'Antonio on continental grounds, which is against the rule. And also he was a member of the high table. So he gets a bounty of $14 million on his head. However, Winston likes him and is friendly with him. So he's like, you have one hour, John Wick. And so John Wick has basically an hour to figure out how he's going to survive assassins from every corner of New York descending upon him and trying to kill him for that that sweet, sweet cash. And so the movie starts out, he's running through the streets with his dog, um, and he basically is just trying to survive the bounty that has been put on him, and that's basically the gist of the movie. That's, yeah. yeah, that's, uh, yeah that's, that's as much as I can go without giving too much away. So Well, you're, it, it would just be another... You're gonna. It just leads into the next step. Yeah, yeah. The next, the next step. So, this movie, in terms of action, is my favorite out of the three. I would say, dude. I, I think I'm like three for three on fucking comments about <laughs> about my sentimentality. Oh, dude. I, we were watching it, and I just, I, I, we got to the scene in Morocco, and like to me, it was, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of, I was a little. For me, it was just a little. Like I'll say, it got more. They they started cramming more in, yeah. right? So the action is overtaking now. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching that, and I was like, dude, I bet you this might be Kyle's favorite one, or this is why he <laughs> liked the second and third one uh, more on the second uh, on your viewings of back to back because you actually could c- compare them side by side by side. Yes, and I I will say this right now. And I think it even for me surpasses the the red circle scene in the first one. Okay. The antique shop knife fight. Oh, so at much. At the start fun. of this fucking movie is so good. I think it is probably one of my favorite action f- scenes in any movie that I've seen. The antique knife fight. Yeah. Oh, dude. And it's fun. It's so much fun. You can tell that there was a lot of choreography that went into it. Yes. I really like the way the special effects look. I like the way that uh, just the the environment was like just uh, visually. I really like the like set design. Oh my god, yeah! It fit in with the world of John Wick and that sort of character. They're they're literally surrounded by all these like medieval like hatchets and knives and like axes and different things that they all use in that scene. Yes, like it's like Chekhov's gun, except if there were a thousand knives on the wall. <laughs> Is that why he had to use that gun? Because they showed it. Yeah, that's why he had to fight. I was wondering about yeah. why the fuck they had that in there. Yeah, I love I love the way that they they built up that scene. So, okay, let's start from the beginning. Okay. So, your boy Boban. Boban. Oh yeah. So, uh he's the first like action scene in this film. Yes. He goes to the library and he goes and he, he gets another picture of his wife from no. this book. Oh my which he doesn't take with him, I noticed. He like puts it back in the book. I don't book. give a shit. <laughs> okay. I don't fucking care at this point. Like you're <laughs> To have that, and I'm like, how many goddamn pictures does he have stored away in all these fucking mementos of his? I would wager a couple more somewhere uh, in the yeah, corners I of the world. I bet you got his fucking back. Yeah, so uh, he goes and he, he looks at the picture, gives it a kiss, but then he also basically goes there for the purpose of getting the, yeah. the cross, his, the, like, what's that called? The Roman cross with, like, the beads 
know. There's like a, a rosary. Is oh, that it? Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. So he gets the rosary um, for a purpose that he's going to use later. And then Boban, who's like, how tall is he? Seven four seven five he's like he's, Hello, John. he's a he's How a are you doing isn't he like ukrainian or something boban yeah uh, yeah czechoslovakian you he's a he's an east he's an eastern europe basketball player for the nba yeah and he's tall as fuck like his he's, hands are huge his hands are ginormous he's like the most gangly looking dude you'll ever he see in a movie. had to crouch down to fight too which yeah. <laughs> when i was watching it I, I was saying like that's such a unique fighting style and then you realize oh it's because keanu's like six three yeah and he's a foot and a half taller than him <laughs> yeah that's why he's always crouched down it's insane so then he he gets in the fight with um i think his name is uh what is, he has a different name in the movie what's his name earl ernest Ernest, yeah. Ernest. It was just kind of funny. I, thought, yeah. I had to laugh when they called him Ernest. Ernest like, in a library. This fucking European looking 7 6 dope. No wonder you call him Ernest. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, Ernest basically is like, eh, 15 minutes was going to know the difference. And yeah. like they, he starts attacking him. And then, of course, John Wick kills scene, him with a book. <laughs> scene too, because like that is like such a, well, we're here, John. Why don't we just do it? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. there isn't, it was such like a... John's like, you sure you want to do this? <laughs> yeah, like, it could be your last day on Earth. And, you know, he's like, no, yeah, who cares? It's just 15 minutes yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. 14 million, a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And it's funny, too, because he had a little bit of personality just in that scene alone. Uh-huh. I thought he'd be so fucking dry. And I was like, Boba could do more movies. Yeah, no, he was, he was a great, like... Uh, like cameo actor oh yeah a hundred percent like any longer it might have been like eh, okay they're stretching a little thin but the well in the fighting too you can definitely sense that he's uh i mean he's fleet-footed for being that tall but definitely not like the other guys that get and the the fight felt like a little uh herky-jerky yeah which would probably be but you know for what we're used to watching it kind of works for how awkwardly large the man yes so a hundred percent but it's funny because then you see him like with his fucking meat grinder (laughs) of a hand over john wick's face and he's just controlling him it's like a be a big old foam hand that you would see at a baseball he was literally put he palmed him and was slapping him around like (laughs) could you imagine having a hand that big like if i could take your head and slam you back and forth are you saying you would? <laughs> I'm scared now. Yeah, if I could, <laughs> you bet I fly over this table. But yeah, uh, the the book the book death. Uh, that and that's like the hey, this is where we're going. By yeah, the the, 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 it sets the tone for the movie, 100%. which is like we're going we're going for it. Yes, and and that's that's what you can expect, and that's certainly what we get. And then we get to the yeah the antique shop fight scene, which was. <sighs> So good. So good. So fun. So funny. And the buildup, too, when he's trying to assemble that gun to make the round fit into the chamber. So he basically has to take an entire gun apart. Yes. In order to put the right size chamber in and the the barrel so he can fire the gun. I like I really. You like that scene? I I enjoy it because it's like it, it. it exemplifies just how proficient he is with weapons and not only using them, but in terms of like just putting I them together. And this is why. okay. What explain uh, yourself? There was every size bullet, and he chose the wrong bullet and decided to craft the gun to the wrong bullet as opposed to going slightly smaller. 
It <laughs> just didn't fit slightly. So instead of grabbing that nine and three quarters, why don't you grab an eight and seven eighths? Was there other size bullets? Yeah, I didn't, if you watch I didn't that notice. scene again, that's why I got fucking annoyed. I was like, they're all right there. <laughs> so I, I honestly thought this is why, and maybe it's because I'm an idiot, but like, <laughs> I honestly thought he was going to set down the gun and start trying to pluck bullets, and we are going to have a fun time with him like, ah, uh, as he's like waiting. Oh. It said they went the opposite way, and he crafts a whole new gun to get one I don't know. shot I, off. You know, even if that's, you know, that's probably true. You're probably right. But even then, I still like the sentiment of the scene. I, I like what it symbolizes, the sort of, like, panicky struggle that he's in yes. and the buildup of it yes. where he, like, only gets one round off, and then, all you know, See, he's got to fight all these guys, like, hand-to-hand. Continuity, then. I'll just, or not maybe not even <clears throat> continuity, but just have it so where there's, like, six bullets sitting right there. Mm. You don't need to have a whole thing of bullets. Have him just sitting right next to him, and then he looks and he grabs it and goes, "Oh shit!" Not okay, right. I'll have to rewatch that scene because I don't remember there being other size bullets. But you're probably right. Well, I'll take a look at it because I'm pretty, and I could be off too. There might have just been a whole row, but I'm pretty sure that what I saw was like different size because there's different guns in that. So what I figured was, oh, they're gonna with the different guns, they're gonna have the different bullets. Not but, exactly, but. I'm okay with it for right now, and in my in my memory, if I rewatch it, you'll 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 be right, and I'll see those guns, and it'll annoy the shit out of me. But for right now, Was I it am just I in am your zen. head. That, well, and I, well, <laughs> the other problem. So he he took out, and then he he redid the chamber with a filer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I was kind of curious, and I could be off too. Like I said, I mean, I got you know from watching it, it was kind of more of like thinking about other things going on, you know. Interesting. Well, um, like. What's going? I was trying to think about what happened in the second one, in the first one, and where mm. this one was going. And then they got to that scene, and I just immediately got annoyed. So I mean, I like I said, I could be off with the bullet thing, but like I'm pretty sure like, I saw. Mm, it's taking every bit of my power to not shut this movie off right now. No, it's just one of those things. Well, then I, I also got annoyed too because he only did one shot. Like I, I just was like, you've got a whole slew of guys running up these steps, and it's just one guy runs through, and everyone else is not happen to be there. Like. Yeah, I don't know. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was kind of funny. I mean, yeah, it was it's, fun. But it's just me. It, it, <laughs> it just I got to. I was just a little annoyed with everything else. It cheeky. It cheeky. very cheeky. That's what um, I was thinking. I'll say this right now: you are nitpicking and biased. I win. Bye bye. <laughs> no, I don't want to do all that because I mean, outside of that, I mean, well, we'll keep going because I didn't. Okay, you know, okay. This one didn't resonate yeah, with me as well not, as the other two. Let's not linger on this too long. No. So, yeah, antique shop fight scene. The knives, awesome. Are. The knives. Amazing. I love the way that not every single one of them like stuck into somebody. Oh, like, it hit the butt would hit and fall down. The butt would hit and they he'd like have to block it or like the butt and would just hit and just not stick into anything. I like, mean, how they were and you know it, the funny part too is because it is like you say panic, so they're just grabbing and chucking. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And <laughs> it, it's like survival. If me and you got into a wall, like it would just be like go, like it'd be like, okay, and then all of a sudden it's just. How fast can I get this off? Yeah, yeah. You know, only one's got to land. Uh-huh. I, I, I love it so much. Like, I will, like, almost on a monthly basis, maybe, like, bi-weekly basis, I will look that scene up on YouTube, and I'll just rewatch it. Really? And I'll just, like, fall in love with it over and over again. Like, it's so, so well choreographed and so well planned oh, yeah. that I just can't help but love it. So, yeah, that scene's great. And then, of course, uh, you know, obviously, he's still got the bounty, so he's still like runs away um the the horse kills 
like are a little cheesy. Oh yeah, like almost a little too cheesy for me. But I don't know. Like it kind of it, it kind of like adds a little bit to it they're, at the same they're time. Trying to get especially creative. especially when he ties the rope around the guy's neck and he rides the horse and he goes yeah and the guy's like being dragged by his head. I thought that was pretty funny well pretty i mean cool. i had the i think the first one when he gets the kickoff and he slaps the horse's ass and it doesn't, yeah i i like audibly i was like oh like it was yeah you start to see him like guide the horse you're like oh shit i know where he's going with like, this it's, <laughs> and i could that's a part of the creativity process like mm. i almost i was getting actually mad at that one because i was like where the fuck are there horses in new york but then you remember there's horse-drawn carriages and i think it was a little bit uh product placement with the Clydesdales and uh you know Budweiser. Oh trying maybe to get some of that, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Yeah, and then on the horse with the with the two bikes, with I, the, yeah. It little the CGI a little bad. See, that's okay. I'm glad you said something because yeah. I agree. I think that in some and I feel like this movie relies more on it than the last two. Yes. Is that there are more instances where they feel like they need to use cgi instead of practical there was one bizarre one in this one too yeah was it the motorcycle scene with the swords or was it something else there was one where it's like they did a close-up and you can obviously tell it's keanu's head against a green screen okay uh maybe it was like in the desert or something no i it might have been in the second one i don't remember but it neither here nor there this one oh you know what it might have been i i think i know what you're talking is is it in the like mirror scene yeah when he's like against like a an led screen yeah something like that it was a bizarre like why did they do maybe that yeah maybe it was green screen maybe it was like the effect of like the screen behind them i don't know but it was it was weird i will i I will admit like it it was like kind of it made me wonder like "Mm, what's going on there um but yeah, no, this movie specifically I think uses more CGI than the previous two movies combined. 100%, yeah. And I think it like kind of shows. And these movies I feel like they haven't like shied from using practical effects when either necessary or stylistically it would look better. So I don't know why they would opt for you know, not using that. I guess maybe it's just more convenient or easier well, to do. Well, I mean that Taking a horse through you know, I think they got the horse out. They they I think the horse is real. Like the No, horses. no, I mean like they actually are when the horse and Keanu are on the horse and they go out of the stable mm-hmm. and onto the street and the bikes are like there's a little bit of a chase. Like they had a horse in New York City or wherever they were shooting it and blocked off or maybe it was on set. I mean however yeah. it goes. I remember like, it was like one of the first like released images of the movie. Is <laughs> oh, him, him on, on a horse. horse. Yeah. yeah. Which is kinda of badass. Um right. but then once they get going under the, the, the subway system um that's when it gets to kind of i mean what are you they're taking their shot though yeah yeah i mean and they know they're like all right well we've we've already the first story the second story already done like this is just up in the ante like we might as well just have fun with it right and and there are they throw a lot of action scenes to the wall in this movie yes and most of them i would say stick pretty well there are some that like are a little underwhelming in terms of just like okay you could clearly tell that like it's a little maybe goofier maybe not as well choreographed as it could have been but it's still a lot of fun to watch um so what what i think uh what is your favorite part of this movie i guess is is it the antique knife fight scene well no (laughs) i do love that that one Mm -hmm. i i've um because that's probably my favorite part right 
I picked up on that with the I'm gonna I watch it once a month. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, mine and I it's actually it's probably my second favorite one because I when it first came out and I first watched it, my, my Justin, uh, my buddy Justin, mm-hmm. um, was like, uh, "Mac, you, we gotta watch this scene. Like, you gotta watch this." Like, one was Bond, the other one was a knife fight. Mm-hmm. He was like, "It's," and we watched, it, and I remember laughing the whole time. I was like. That was really fun. That was just like a real, like how you probably feel, you know. Mm. And uh, I had the same emotion the second time. As soon as they got in there, I was like, I remember this. And then they're going through, and I was like, this is just really fun. Like, mm. the, like I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it's just it's well done, well choreographed in the nights, and it would actually probably like the realism isn't lost on you. And the whole world of what's going on with the third one, you know, like that's probably like one of the more realistic parts I felt about it. The other one was the hotel at the end the okay third act. with the Love. basically swat guys and they had it where they were like i have a better appreciation for it now than i did on previous watches the, the lighting in it mm-hmm. uh the way that they have to react the the um the sense of humor around it yeah uh where it almost turns into um at one point when they come back and they have to reload, the guy sitting there, he's getting drunk, just letting people take care of his shit. Mm-hmm. John Wick's pissed because uh, <laughs> obviously he's like, I got to do more work. And then the other guy's pissed because he, the clerk, because he probably lost all his good men. Yeah. And he's like, now I got to do more work. And then they go back <laughs> in there and the way that they walked in back in, it was like a dad that told his kids they had to go rake the yard. Yeah, and yeah. And it started to rain. <laughs> and they were like, we still have to get it done. This is fucking bullshit. <laughs> and just storming back to get better equipment so they could still get the job done. Yeah, like, there yeah. was this, it wasn't defeated. It was just pissed off, like in a little, like a childlike manner. And where the stakes were at and what was happening. It's very humorous. It's uh, a juxtaposition almost. It's a fun you know? scene. It's a very fun scene. Yeah. And I, I, like I said before, I have a bigger appreciation for it on this rewatch than I did on previous rewatches. Because oh, I'm so in love with that first knife fight that yeah. I'm like, all right, nothing can top this. And while I still don't think that scene can top it, I think that no. it definitely still holds its own. I, I like To me, I mean, it fits right in. I mean, if you kind of break up all the stuff in all the movies and took mm-hmm. out your own favorite, like, uh, you know, if you call them scenes or however, with the scenarios, whatever you want to classify them as, um, uh, that one is, to me, right there with um, the house scene. Yeah. You know, in the first one. I think it serves as a good, like, third act fight. Oh, yeah. And, well, and they do, the the enemy, the villains, do a great job of recognizing who they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. It's not another cog in the machine. You know, it's like, we, these guys are trained killers, too. We need to keep them alive, and we'll stand a better chance. And you get that, you know, after he keeps popping them, and they're not going down, and he keeps headshots, and they're still not. Yeah. And then he realizes, oh, shit, I have to. I have you to know. like improvise and I have to go back and reassess. Yeah. And like I it's thought, a it's a good progression of, of what's happening. Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. So mm-hmm. that's probably that's and it's funny too, because that's actually the two points of the movie that I most like mm-hmm. are those right there. And then everything in between is just all right. I mean I didn't Yeah. I think the I think the part with Halle Berry so first of all, what did you think of Halle Berry in this movie? She's a smoke show. Absolutely. Okay. What, what? What about oh, her acting? Oh, <laughs> her acting. She's fantastic. Absolutely stunning. Uh. Uh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> no, I, I she kind of popped out of nowhere. Um, at this point, they now they've had a couple callbacks, and you're you're at like to John Wick's pass. At this point, it's just I was so like they get to the he. He makes it to the Russian, and then they're like, we're going to do this for you. So he's going through more of this pain. Like, he's going through hell to get, you know, back to where he needs to get to. Or mm-hmm. survive. I don't even know. The problem I had with it was, like, I don't even know what his so, motivation is to get back to the Continental, to end the high table. So the reason why he needed to go see the Russian lady, who basically, like, it's implied that, like, that's where he grew up. No, I and I like, got I got that point. Yeah, yeah. And he, they owe him for his services for helping them. Yeah, yeah. I am owed, he tells her. Yeah. And I so got- then they do that for him. They give him passage to Casablanca. Then he goes there. He gets Sophia's help. Sophia played by Halle Berry. And he has the marker. He has, obviously, he got her out of a pinch. Yep. And so then she's pissed at him right. because, you know, he's showing up at her doorstep with this marker saying, hey, you owe me. And so they go and they they find out because uh, Keanu or Keanu John Wick needs to find out where he can find the one who sits above the table, basically like the head honcho. Um, which, by the way, like I don't know if you felt this way. I certainly did. The guy kind of felt underwhelming, like and. In this, how they describe him? No, like just no, who no. he was. That's like, what I'm saying. Yeah, like, like how yeah. they lead up to where this guy's at, like and how the, to get to him. The one who sits above the table, like the guy, the head honcho, who's like in charge of everything underneath the high table and the high table itself, just felt like some random ass dude <laughs> just well, in the desert. The problem is you're not. It's a stupid. It's a. Dude, it's basically the god of this world. So you're whatever projection you have of what you're thinking, he'd never live up to it. I mean, well, like he I, didn't even look imposing to me. Like he just looked like this kind of like regular Joe that would sell you like a used car at like Benton Baker or whatever. You're like, talking to the guy out in the desert, right? Yeah. 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 I like mean, I didn't yeah. He didn't feel like intimidating. I didn't, didn't even feel, know he was the guy. Yeah, he I I had to double check when i first watched the movie just to make sure like is this the guy or is he like the assistant but no it is the guy because the the Halle berry's whoever that guy was told him how to get to the guy yeah and that guy felt more like the guy same than the other guy he had more personality <laughs> yeah. that guy just get out there and he was so fucking stale yeah like, he just had no charisma character and he didn't do anything it's like he, why even lead this whole he was universe so bland like they i i don't even know what the actor's name was who who played him like i mean we don't need to shit on that guy it's not like it was, no he got told to play like that right but and i don't like, even think they even knew what to do with that position they, i i wish he had more gravitas and i wish he had more of an oomph to his character well, other than like just being some dude who we're supposed to think is like the guy who's above all and is like in charge of everything like so, he's the head honcho like i did not get that sense from him at all a heaven and hell journey for john wick in this one i mean if you're going on like a mythological tear with it you know is this versus his lowest of the lows to get to the highest of the highs to seek redemption like i don't yeah like this guy's supposed to be basically the god of their world that's what i'm yeah he just he's just some dude <laughs> It was, I, dude, I, I thought, 
It's such a such a problem with him. Well, and I had I had a problem with just what was what the fuck was happening throughout the whole thing. Yeah, you know, like I didn't. I don't want to say it felt like it was too. It wasn't too wit. I don't know, dude. I just have the motivational factor of it. Just yeah, and like the. I, I want to circle back to Halle Berry too. I didn't think she was great in this movie. Like I didn't. Or think, you talk like her acting. Yeah, like I didn't think her acting was. That's what I was talking about before. Her and, <laughs> her and Lawrence. Yeah, I know we kind of drifted. Her and Lawrence Fishburne felt felt like they just mailed it in. Mm. See, I didn't mind Lawrence Fishburne as much because I was used to how his character was in the previous movie. Whereas this movie, they were just like. All right, let's get Halle Berry in there, and she's gonna be in the movie too, and she's gonna do action scenes as well, and like, yeah, I don't I, know, it just it felt like she definitely felt like a shoehorn for sure, and it didn't help that she's not oh, the greatest actress. Well, and I, we're I'm watching it, and I was just like, God, it feels like they just needed to add like an opposite sex in here or something else, so you're not just staring at John Wick for all three <laughs> movies. So like, let's just get a nice piece of eye candy and throw her in here, you know? Yeah, like who cares? And I just was like, that's just... And I like what? I like the action scene. I like the scene that she's in, like, in terms she, of action. Like, I'm going to tell you right now. I mean, she, they, the, from when it gets going mm-hmm. to when it ends and she does her, you know, little joke to him, those action sequences, pretty fun. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. And... and- um, they had a lot of there is a lot of tracking shots in there. So I mean, you know, Halle Berry was practicing her ass off to oh, do. Oh yeah, that. there's videos of like her and Keanu Reeves on like a shooting range, just oh really practicing for these movies. Yeah, that's the thing when when the second movie was coming out is when like the tradition of like them releasing the training footage of Keanu Reeves going through like the courses oh, with like the different guns and yeah. like the martial arts and stuff. That's pretty dope. Yeah, that's when that whole thing started coming coming around. I mean, you can look it up on YouTube. It's like uh Keanu Reeves John Wick training. Like if you look yeah. that up, you'll find like tens of videos of like him going through these different gun courses and like just acing things because he's had so much practice with it now right like it's he knows he knows like guns inside and out by now like it's pretty crazy um and Halle Berry of course joined him when they were making the third one which is pretty cool and it shows in the action scenes oh she looked fantastic like don't like I I know I'm gonna knock on her and I'm not just calling her like a you know a pretty set of eyes just sitting in this thing I didn't like her acting I didn't care for it really no like her dialogue was a little uh just a little she, cringy. It doesn't come across as genuine. Yeah. But when they got to fighting, I was like, dude, I did not. I thought it was going to be herky-jerky on her end. Not at all. That felt pretty fluid. Yeah. It looked it looked pretty fluid. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, Excuse me. you know, I mean, like, you know, she did a fantastic job on that aspect. And that's where they don't really go wrong. Yeah. With that, the choreography and the action. They definitely have, like, if you plucked out a lot of the, and the script in this, like, the, the dialogue just felt neutered like it was it felt like a lot less yeah it sometimes almost felt like a parody of the films that came before it i at certain points this one i literally said right now john wick feels like a modern day james bond he's got the hot chick he knows (laughs) all of these different languages he knows russian he knows latin he knows french Chinese, mm. like he and I'm like he, he speaks all of this stuff. He's the coolest of cool guys, and he's not a supernatural force. And like you said, you know, mythological. But I mean, it's fucking close to not self, not being just be uh, killed. Yeah, you know. So it, and then you know, and how that's when Hal Barry came in. And I just was like, this definitely feels like they've taken a right turn into nonsensical. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know what I don't know what his driving force is besides he's a badass and now we got a hot chick in here and he's got to find the high one and it's not even to destroy the high one. Like I still that's why I was kind of hoping like I don't know if, after that point what he was gonna do. Yeah. So yeah, he going back to like the dude in the desert. <laughs> yeah. He goes he goes and sees him and so he's like and this is like another big issue I had. Right. He goes and he sees him and he's like how can I make it so that the high table doesn't hunt me anymore? And the guy's basically, well, give your life back to us and you'll be working for us for the rest of your days until you die. Uh, That way you can preserve the memory of your wife. And so then he like has uh, John Wick swear his fealty to him by making him like cut off one of his fingers. I think his ring finger. Yeah. And so the, he cuts off his finger and he's like, I need you to kill Winston in order to uh, make it so that the bounty is cleared of your head. And so he goes back to New York. He he confronts Winston, and Winston's like, well, I don't know about you, but I like you, John Wick. And John Wick's like, yeah, I like you too. I'm not going to kill you. It's like <laughs> you just went through all that to just – and I get why he doesn't kill Winston. You know, for, at, at, Up until that point, like Winston's looked out for him. To the best of it, his ability, it wasn't like, even his call to do it. I mean, yeah, he just yeah, had yeah. Another, so I mean, you kind of looking at the free will aspect. Maybe. I'm. It, this almost feels. It does feel like so. Like the whole, the whole, like cutting the finger off and and like swearing your fealty, just felt so pointless. Oh yeah, like it didn't feel like there was a point to it, especially after that scene. Like all of it felt pointless because <laughs> they get there and it's just like hey let's just team up and work together when if he doesn't go through any of that shit like literally if you mm-hmm. think about this after the adjudicator shows up yeah okay uh if john wick just was like man let me see if i can sneak back into my old room met up with winston they could have right then and there he could have like, saved so much headache yeah <laughs> so like, much hey trouble. i need your help i will let you stay here you know i'll give you a shelter you get what do they call it um uh, safety or uh uh yeah i don't i don't remember. remember he kept calling it they kept calling it the shelter of the the con- oh my god i can't even i don't i don't remember anyways <laughs> um yeah they all that could have been erased i yeah, think yeah. is why i once we got to the ending there i was just i like whatever <laughs> so um and the I third act and this one was lacking i was gonna say yeah i was gonna bring that up the um another issue i i feel like i i wasn't going into this with as many issues as i had apparently oh we can with build this off each other because I, I i'm not gonna yeah i feel like i feel like we have to address it the the last like sword fight <sighs> and like the the confrontation he has with the uh, with the actors from the raid movies, yes. Which, you know, I love that they were in the movie. I love that they There's were. There's a little tip of the cap and a nod to hey, you yeah, know, yeah. you guys, and it was kind. I mean, it's kind of like one franchise acknowledging the other and being being like, oh, Mr. Wick, we yeah. we have so much respect for you. Yeah. And I like what the scene was going for, but I think like execution wise, it was, it it, it didn't feel like it lived up to the standard as like the previous scenes did in the same movie. Like you take the knife fight from the first act and you're like, holy shit, this is fucking wild. Like yeah. there's so much stuff going on. And then you get to the scenes in the third act where he's like fighting these dudes in like this weird, like glass, like multi-layered set of rooms. And he's like, okay, it feels like they 
maybe were like in a rush or something and they like had to like get this choreography out because it doesn't feel convincing a I, lot of the times i, I uh like i, I don't know like, I do you, you feel the same way i know i do but i i'm just i immediately got annoyed because they could have killed them and they didn't they, right they, it could have easily ended at one point and then they're like well we really want to have a fight with them like not that this counts, but like let's actually think because we can beat him, we'll just have a fight with him and not kill him. Like it just, I hate when fucking films do that. Yeah, like when the villains like toy with the uh, protagonist. Even, they're kind of toying, but you know these aren't even the main guys, right? <laughs> like, don't have it like that, or at least like I thought. All right, maybe he gets up, blocks him off, and they go, oh, because of the parry, like let's give him a second. Because mm-hmm. obviously he's very good at countering, you know, like, no, we could have killed him. They kind of do the thing. And then they're like, oh, this is the most time in any movie that I've seen a, a person almost die that is that can't die because people chose not to kill him. Right. Which I have a fucking issue with that. <laughs> yeah. When it's like he's indestructible and you see constantly like, wow, how hard he is to kill that when they actually have the shot to do it. They don't. It's yeah. Maybe it's toying with the audience. I don't know, but I it's dumb to me. Like I and just I, don't I think get it. There is not that I agree with it completely, but there is kind of an argument you can make for that specific reason right. for those two characters because they acknowledge that their boss, uh, what's his name, Mark Dukakis. Oh, the the head, the sushi, the guy? bald guy. Yeah. yeah, they acknowledge that the bald guy, like their boss. Or like their teacher or whatever, because he always refers to them yeah, as like his students, pupils, or yeah, students, yeah, yeah, something like. There, you could make a case that they're keeping him alive because they know that their boss wants to kill him. Yeah, I did that fucking reasoning too. And you, right? It doesn't like. Well, and I'm saying that you can make the argument. Not, not that I agree with it. I no. think that it still kind of comes across as like too cheesy and too jilted. And I'm with I'm with you on. Yeah, I'm yeah. like I agree, and I mm. did like I'm telling like when I I. I don't watch these things and immediately get upset. I try to do like in my head, okay, why did he do that? If you do the, why did they, there's an argument there, 100%, because that guy's still alive. I was, I just get pissed off when it's like, then acknowledge that or do like the kind of, because I think they might have like looked up and he was looking down. I can't remember if that's how it went. I feel like we didn't know he was still up there until after John Wick killed those two guys. And I know that he said that you will be mine to John Wick several times. Mm-hmm. Um, but not only that, that guy got the knife against John Wick's neck and pulled the sword back. Yeah. And that's when I went, <laughs> okay, like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, right. You know, it, it's got, like it, 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 it didn't feel up to par with the rest of the scenes that came before it. Not the third. Like, well, I was very, I was kind of like a little let down from it. You, it's it's almost like the first movie again. Because, I mean, you have, like, the Bobomb fight's amazing, the antiques. I won't say that because the, the hotel with the guns was fantastic. But hotel with the guns was great. There's a lot more needless action in this. Yeah. Um, like I said, they throw a lot of action scenes at the wall. Right, right. Most of them stick, but there are a few that don't that you're like, I have to acknowledge Let this. me say, uh, I shouldn't say it like that. It is needless action, but... You could remove, like I said, all the dialogue from this and put just the action sequences in in here, and you would be amazed. Still, the, mm-hmm. I didn't. I thought it was all needless in Morocco. Like they, that one went way on longer than I thought it should have. Yeah, but it doesn't take away with how well they were shot. 
Right. I mean, it was they're fucking amazing. I mean, mm. you got you got tracking shots all over the place. And granted, they might have spliced it, CGI'd it, however it goes to make it seem more. I didn't know. I just was like, this has so much more with less dialogue now mm. that it doesn't feel like we're driving to a point. So at yeah. this point, I'm just watching vignettes of people fighting mm. as opposed to the first one, he's driving towards something. And then the second one, like you said, he's got a... Mm. The action set pieces feel like they have more of a purpose. Yeah. In the first two than in this one. Yes. Uh, I agree with you. Um, so, yeah, basically, uh, the way this movie ends, I didn't, like, when I saw this in theaters, I didn't expect it to end on a cliffhanger. Like, I thought, oh, yeah. I thought for sure it was going to be, like, the last in the trilogy and that they were just going to finish it off, but... No, they they are clearly making more. Yeah, hundred percent. And of course, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm excited. Um, so they're going to make two more movies. Well, they got two more lined up. Yep, they've got Chapter Four and Chapter Five. They were going to film both of them back to back. They're going to do kind of like a you know Avengers Infinity War Endgame sort of thing. Yeah, but they had to delay them because Keanu had obligations to the Matrix Resurrections. Which, after having watched Matrix Resurrections, why the fuck didn't he just tell him no and go with John Wick? Like, clearly, there's a better uh, set of responsibilities there. God, that he should have undertaken. Shout out Keanu Reeves. I love you, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, the the Matrix Resurrections not worth it. Not worth us having to wait longer uh, for no. Chapter Four because it was supposed to come out last year. Like around the same time that the Matrix did, but nope. The the forty million dollars that sitting in his bank account might argue with you. Right? <laughs> I'm with you, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, capitalist pig. He he chose the wrong pill. Yeah, in that oh, situation. Fuck yeah, <laughs> chose the turd covered one <laughs> instead of the shiny, glistening neon lights that is the John Wick franchise. Yeah. Um. So yeah, is there anything else you want to say about Chapter Three? Um. Anything that no, we might have missed? I, or? No, no. I got it all out. I'm telling you, like, like, my viewing experience last night, having seen it kind of, I think, throughout, paying attention the whole time, um, it was it, I, it, it lost me at points. Um, I think up until the hotel scene, like I looked down at my phone once. And I was like, where are we at? Yeah, okay. And I, I just, it, I didn't think it was really, to me, his motivation was lacking. It wasn't driving to a point. And a lot of the action sequences were starting to center around more of like, hey, we're that film. And it made John Wick feel a little less of John Wick. Mm. You know? Like, yeah. Like the James Bond stuff. I think at some point you're kind of like, oh, it's he's not going to die because it is James Bond. The, the plot armor. <laughs> yeah. So I, that started setting in. But then uh, it grabbed me back with that hotel scene. Like immediately I was like, Oh, that's the dumbest fucking thing I heard between you two being "Don't be a pawn, let me live." I'll grant you am amnesty, mm -hmm. um, you know. And then let's just take out the adjudicator. And then that hotel scene happened. I was like, "Man, this is fucking sweet." Yeah. And then it just went back to lameness. Yeah. And then the like you said though, I thought the ending was actually it was fun, and I didn't actually see that happening. I thought they were gonna take her out. Yeah. I, I really didn't. I was like, I I couldn't remember how it ended. Mm -hmm. You know, so. To end it on a cliffhanger, yeah. It's very surprising, but a welcome surprise at yes. that. Because that means we get more John Wick. Um, so what would you rate this film? This one? Yep. Having actually having now just shit all over it. 
<laughs> no, I should say that because it still holds I, probably a seven. Okay. Um, just because it teeters between a six and a seven, and the only reason why it's like because that knife scene in the very beginning, um, the first twenty minutes are just fun as hell. Yeah, like really fun. Mm-hmm. And then it gets, and then it 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 gets into nonsensicalness. And I shouldn't say it like that. I think there's like now that I'm thinking about, it, I definitely feel like there's got to be some sort of journey that they took, like you said, from I mean, some maybe biblical or I don't, I can't um, the Pilgrims fucking passage or whatever i don't know <laughs> you know like i feel like there might be something there but it, it lost me until the actually one other guy too that i liked uh holly berry's lover or whoever that guy was i don't know what role he played but i love that character oh yeah the guy from game of thrones i forget is what that his name who is. it was his accent was fun he yeah. just he had personality he was kind of philosophical and then the he, you give me a dog yeah, yeah. Give me a dog as a gift, and you shall live. He was a he was a colorful character that yeah. I, I enjoyed. For a, wish we got a little bit more of. Huh? Oh yeah, in that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. For for how it was kind of getting to a little mindless. I was like, I really like this character. And yeah, then, he stuck out. Yeah. So, anyways, that's me. You? Um, Any, did you have any final thoughts too before you get into your grade? No, no. Um, I I didn't expect to I guess have as many issues with this as I as I did in this I think discussion. We talked about this. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, but I will say that I think um, I will also rate this an eight out of ten. Oh, because uh, I think visually it has a little more going for it than the second one. Oh yeah, a little, just in terms of like cinematography and like set design. Um, I really think it's like gorgeous. Uh, and also the action scenes, I think elevate it for me enough to where like the issues I have, which I do have more issues with this movie than I do the previous two. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the action scenes alone, like just elevate it for me because that knife fight. And like you said, the last like gunfight with the green lights in the hotel, it's really like push it up for me. Yeah. And so I give it an eight out of 10. It's funny because actually what the sword fight uh at the very end it's probably what brings it like just a little yeah bit. But, it's like, a step down yeah and it, it, still three fantastic movies i don't think you could go wrong with any three of them and i think at any point you could probably throw it on the third one would teeter for me but that's just i also i'll say this i watched a movie before that mm-hmm. watched then i watched down like three and i've already watched i watched one and two so i was kind of powering through all of this yeah so i definitely think if you give it some time or you're in that kind of uh the hunger if you will for john wick you could throw in the third one and it doesn't the action sequences aren't anything short it actually more creative and about the same they're the same quality yeah yeah so i mean absolutely yeah. i don't need it it's still that's where i sit at with it so i don't want to Defend myself a little bit for everyone that's, uh, you know, maybe not agreeing. <laughs> They're getting their pitchforks ready. <laughs> um, yeah. So before we move on, uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to Max friend Justin, who, uh, and I will also include a picture of this in the YouTube video version. Um, he gave us, basically gave me, because it's like, you know, for we, the pod, I for mean, for the pod, you know, but it's you're a you're a big time John Wick fan. I am. He gave me a a steel case, uh, 4K collection of all three films that are out right now, and the cover and the inside of it are are very 
visually pleasing to look at. And also the back, too. Um, for uh, those who are only listening to audio, uh, the cover is like a very psychedelic blue, purple, red, neon drenched image of Keanu Reeves in a suit holding a gun. And then the back of it is uh, also the same sort of style, but him sitting on the couch with the dog that he has in the second and third movie. And thank you again, Justin, for giving that to us. That was very kind of you. Um, I've never met you before, but I feel like I already love you. So <laughs> There's a big old podcast hug. Yeah, you get a big old <laughs> hug and a big old kiss from me. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, no, Justin, we appreciate it, man. And, uh, you know, everyone else listening, uh, you're no less to us. Absolutely no less to us. Um, it just means you got to step it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah let's get some uh yeah that's, a, that's our first piece of uh uh i guess mail for the podcast yeah. that we've gotten like something that? sent into us we gotta find a place we'll find a place in the pod world in here for uh to hang it up or to put it somewhere at least get it on display just a little bit right um so i figured we could end on a few questions Oh, we got a couple questions. We got a couple questions. Oh, yeah. I alluded this. Uh, I alluded to this thing yes. uh, last episode. Yep. You did, yeah. That I had a series of questions um, from my friends that yeah. they texted me, and they're all thematically the same. Okay. And you're going to find out what exactly they are <laughs> here in a second. Uh, let me look them up real this quick. This is raw reaction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just reading, I'm just reading some of them and they're fucking, oh my God. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> our first question comes from my friend, Zach, uh, my roommate. Hey, shout out Zach. <laughs> if you can hear us. Uh, did nine 11 still happen in the Stuart little universe? <laughs> <laughs> when did Stuart little come out? Uh, let's look this up. Now that one, because that's a question. Because uh, nine eleven was two thousand one. Nine eleven was two thousand one. Stuart Little came out in nineteen ninety nine. Ah, oh, see, so does Stuart have to go through the trauma with his parents of nine eleven? I'm assuming yes, right? Because then the second movie came out in two thousand two, and they and didn't address it. They they did. They don't address it, but I'm assuming just based on the fact that they're in the city flying around, they have to. Well, Actually, are they even I set in New York? You know what? I'm gonna say no, just because Stuart Living, Stuart Living, Stuart Little is a talking rat. <laughs> so I'm just gonna go out and say no. He's a mouse, first of all. Whoa, we gotta get the terminology right. That might have been. A Second sexist. of all, the boat race is uh, the boat race that takes place in the first movie is in Central Park. So it is in New York. Yeah. So I imagine in the second one when they're flying, because in the second movie he's like flies around on the plane with like his bird friend or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> another talking animal. Another talking okay, animal. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming they've had to have edit, like either edited out or like just not include the twin towers, right? Like <laughs> maybe. I'm I wonder gonna if say, there's info I'm on this. I'm saying that there's no. I'm I'm going out and saying that in that. Oh in my that god. Universe it, 
Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I looked up You can't have an answer for this. I looked up production on Wikipedia for Stuart Little 2. Right. And it says filming began in New York City and Culver City, California around March 5th, 2001 and lasted until June of that year. After the September 11th attacks, scenes of the Twin Towers were digitally removed and certain scenes were reshot. So 9-11 happened in the Stuart Little no, universe. No, I, I would say no. I would and say yes. I'm going to say, well, one, how about this? Actually, you know how we could figure it out? If you watch how? Stuart Little 1 okay. and you find the Twin Towers in Stuart Little 1 and they're not in Stuart Little 2, then that would be the proof that we need if it actually happened. Oh, okay. If we'll it, have to find this out. Yeah, because I was about to say, uh, Zach, when you watch Stuart Little next time, you got to keep an eye out for uh, the Twin Towers. <laughs> yeah. Keep keep your eyes peeled. Because <laughs> if they're not in there, I'm going to make the argument that in that universe they don't exist. Okay. You know? Well, we'll have to watch the movie to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, our next question... Oh. <laughs> our, our, our next question comes from Lauren. Uh-huh. Um, do you think they chose Stuart Little over an actual child because the lifespan is such shorter and they didn't want the commitment of an actual human child? Uh, I read somewhere that Stuart Little was supposed to be six films, uh, kind of spanning time like Boyhood. Uh, I can't remember who is the director of Stuart Little. Are you being for real right now? <laughs> yeah, it's on It's on one of the wiki pages. Um, the first one was directed by Rob Minkoff. Rob, yeah. Uh, the second one was also directed by Rob Minkoff. Tell, it, it supposed to it, it span it, it caught um who the hell directed uh <laughs> freaking boyhood now and uh I'll look that up. Yeah, it was there's supposed to be six uh different features and actually uh, Richard Linklater? Yeah, Linklater. Linklater. Yeah, the and they were supposed to actually CGI uh Michael J Fox but because he had early onset Parkinson's they mm. didn't make him um a Rat. Oh, okay. Or a mouse, mice. A meese. Yeah. They had to make him a meese. That's the plural. No, I'm just fucking with you. They didn't make six of these things. <laughs> no, actually, if I had to guess, so they probably had Michael J. Fox, and because of Parkinson's, they decided to go with the CGI. Is Stuart Little like a book or a story? Yeah, it was it's originally like a... a children's book. Yeah. Oh, then no, they never were going to go with it. It was always a talking rat mouse <laughs> yeah, thing. Talking rat mouse, a fucking small possum. <laughs> Just a little rat boy. I like how we're getting more into... A little yeah, pissy rat when boy. He, when he grows up, he's a fucking skunk. Look <laughs> <laughs> well, this fucking koala. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Frank, come on. All right, I got to right, relook it up because every time I exit the app, it like sends me back to the... Because they sent this to me in Messenger, so I have oh, to. Oh, got it. Got I have to like research it. the word Stewart every time I want to find these questions because oh, they're all fucking related. God bless. I've not. I saw Stuart Little when it first came out. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, the next question comes from Zach again. Okay. This one's an easy one. Who would win in a fight, Stuart Little or the mouse from Ratatouille? Easy. The mouse from Ratatouille would fuck him up. Oh, dude, street smart mouse. Mm-hmm. Stuart Little's pampered. Yeah. Dude, he's a he's a Stuart domestic Little's, mouse. He's a little house bitch. Yeah. Yeah, no, Remy would beat the shit out of him because Remy, Remy lived on the streets. He knows the hard life. 
Yeah, didn't he almost kill the chef in that thing? Yeah. Like, like that's a human. He's a fucking... He controls a whole human body. Dude, Stuart and Little, Stuart Little can barely control a car. Yeah, I was about to say, he couldn't even fend off the attackers in the first one, right? Yeah, like he's on that boat and he like almost dies. Because the other kid with the other remote control boat's like, oh, I'm going to kill Stuart Little. And, oh my god, fucking sadism. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, Stuart, Stuart would get his ass beat. Hundred. I mean, hundred percent. I don't even think I've seen Ratatouille, and I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an easy question. Um, the next one comes from. <laughs> the next one comes from Lauren again. Does Stuart fuck the bird from the second one? Yes or yes? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Wait, is it like uh, I and I haven't? I've never seen the second one. Uh, I think I got into middle school, it sounds like, when this came out. So I would have been in seventh grade when Stuart Little 2 got released. So I was a little too cool for it. Right. But, I mean, if there's a mouse fucking a bird in this thing, I might have missed out. (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, what happens in between scenes? Implied implied creativity, you know. You can you can take from it how you will. Yeah, I'm movies not, are, movies well, and how you interpret the, them are subjective. Uh, was it was the was the bird non-binary or did, was there? A, no, the bird was clearly a girl. Really? Yeah. Okay, who did the voice of the bird? Uh, I'll look. Uh, Maybe I'll do, I, I have it? quick right. access so I can. Uh, Melanie Griffith was the voice of Margolot. Oh man, that's such an ugly name. <laughs> no, I don't think so, Lauren. <laughs> no, you're not getting by that name. <laughs> no, I I don't know. I'm Margolo? I'm an op- I'm an optimist. I think I think Stewart was uh, clapping them feathers. Ooh, <laughs> damn! Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, but mice have like I don't think it'd be compatible too. I mean, do you know the anatomy of a mouse? No, but birds they hatch out of eggs. Yeah. Mice give live birth, so you have a different. I don't know. Stewart could he could hump anything, probably, right? You think so? Probably. I don't know. Was he ever wearing shorts? Is he totally frontal nude? He he always has pants on. Like mm. he always has like cargo pants, like these such a khakis. S- smart call on their end too, by the way. So they don't have to answer those questions, right? You like, know, it's not like a Donald Duck situation where he's just butt ass naked from the bottom, right? And you're kind of wondering what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Like, is it, is it inside that, like, does it come out? Yeah. Tucked away. Tucked away. Is he, is he doing a goat right now or is <laughs> yeah. Best Silence of the Lambs impersonation? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. That's going to sound like hell for audio listeners. Um, all right. Last question. Oh. Uh, also from Lauren. Okay. It's Lauren and Zach basically carrying this whole. Uh, I love it, dude. I've never had some. I've never talked about Stuart Little in all my life. Uh, same here, man. Uh, does Stuart Little drive a remote controlled car or is it just a weird, fully functioning small car? Oh, crossover from uh, Honey, We Shrunk the Kids and Stuart yeah. Little. Now, I if they think... live in that universe and Honey, We Shrunk the Kids, we could see the Twin Towers. We might definitively <laughs> say if they were all, if they were, I'm telling you. Uh, we got to answer this question first well, before we circle back to 9-11. Well, here's the thing. What I'm, what my, what I'm saying is, okay, Honey, We Shrunk the Kids Part 2, I believe they shrink machinery or it's more than just the kids, right? I have, I have not seen that film, so I can't attest to it. Well, I think they do. It's been a while since I've seen that one. I think they do. And if they do, you could almost make the argument that they shrunk 
a car for his size. Like they find like they, they like commercialize the technology that they used in Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Absolutely. And then Hugh Hugh Laurie and his wife or yeah. whatever in the movie bought it for Stuart Little. Well, it probably the commercial purposes of shrinking a fucking car don't make sense because there's no one <laughs> that small. But they end up <laughs> finding <laughs> <laughs> Rick Moranis. I, I think... <laughs> and they buy a car. I think it's more so they had a remote control car and they modified it so that Stuart Little could drive it. That's my answer. Did the bird fit in the car? Yeah. Really? The bird and the mouse were like the same size. Dude, Mar- what? Yeah. it's Birds like a aren't l- that small. It was like a little tiny yellow bird. And Named Margalu? Margalo. Margalu. Oh God, it's such an ugly name. And I'm Mar- sorry for anyone listening. Mari Lago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mary Glue. Yeah. Um, but no, they were like the same size, so she would have fit in the car. And really? I think she does in the in Stuart Little 2 at some point. Really? I was yeah. well, that's what I'm saying. So I mean if you drove I wonder if you ever copped the field. Probably. I'll Answer that last question. Um <laughs> So yeah, I realistically, I think it's a modified remote control car that he can drive on his own. I'm going between, that's fully functioning. I'm gonna I'm going with my crossover answer, and I'm saying they shrunk a car. Okay, and the, the technology was available at that time. Well, I I respect your commitment. I'm just saying. 100%. Well, we're talking about the twin. If the twin towers don't <laughs> exist, this is a big. That's a big time question. Anything's we have to watch possible. the movie to find out. We'll have to watch it to find out. Future recommendation one of these days. Yours. I'm not burning <laughs> mine on Stuart Little. Oh, come on. It's if we're classic. doing that, if we do Stuart Little, we're also going to watch Mousetrap and The Borrowers. Ooh, the holy trilogy, what I like to call it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. All right. So yeah, that's uh, what's uh, uh, proposed to be in the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, recommending something. Oh, you get to do a film pick. So, and I'm sure, obviously, we'll come up with some more uh, content for what we'll do in two weeks from now. Maybe some more Oscar talk or whatever. I mean, we'll we'll fill it in with the juice. Um, right. But top five movie of mine, mm. I don't think you've seen. Mm. And if you have, that'd be awesome. But if you haven't, uh, even awesome. Because mm. I haven't watched this movie, I think, in about four years now. Ooh. So we are going to watch, and this is actually a good one too for everyone in the audience to check out, uh, especially someone related to me. <laughs> uh, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Awesome. So, I know nothing about this movie. You've never seen it. I've only heard the title, and that's it. Awesome. So uh, I'm excited. Yes. You, uh, I, I was uh, going through the website and I was updating a few things a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, on our about page, I wanted to include some of our like our top five favorite movies yes. because if people go through it and see it, I wanted them to like kind of get a taste of like what our tastes are. Yeah. And uh, I, I I messaged you and I was like, hey, give me your top five favorite movies so I could put them on the website. And I noticed that uh, Big Trouble in Little China was one of them. Yep. And so I was like, oh, interesting. And, you know, fresh off me, including it on the website, you are recommending it to me now. I, we, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I was about to say, I mean, like when, when you asked for that and I was like, I I was thinking about, I was like, what, what do I want to watch? I mean, we we had some of your favorite films on there and I was like, I kind of want to do something that's maybe not fresh, but, uh, 
you know, you haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favorite. I mean, I we'll see where it gets to. I hold it near and dear to my heart, but it's uh, we'll talk about it when we talk about it. So yeah, I'm excited for you to see it and hearing your thoughts on it. And uh, it's probably at this point 40 years, eh, 35 to 40 years old. Which to me, it, excellent. I yeah. need to watch more older films too, which is why I'm glad that you're recommending that because it's my childhood films, <laughs> what my dad forced us to watch. Well, I need to, yeah. I need to expand my uh, my library anyway when it comes to older movies. So for sure, I'm I'm glad that you are here for that. Um, about it, yeah. <laughs> and talk about super little fucking a bird. All yep. Right. <laughs> We give you the content on here. <laughs> I actually do love those like universal questions. Yes, me too. Um, yeah, more questions to come, I'm sure. Oh, I love, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, if you don't want to be spoiled for Big Trouble in Little China, be sure to watch that before episode 15, uh, which will come out two weeks from now. Awesome. You can find us at YouTube. If you search the Neon Crew podcast, you can also find us on Spotify with the same exact thing. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah. Um, by a thread on Twitter. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're still there. Um, look us up. All 15 of you following us. Hey. <laughs> Maybe we'll get 16. Hey. Um, so yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Um, Appreciate you. Love you guys. Um, thank you again, Justin, for the steel case. Um, it will go somewhere very uh, uh, in eye shot and respectable to where I can look at it every day and think of how wonderful of a person you are, even though I've never met you. <laughs> I can vouch. Awesome. Uh, any parting words, McLean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. What? Uh, what? What are those words? Well, I was just thinking not too long ago. WWTHD, brother. Bye, everyone.